NBC News national security correspondent Ken Delaney in live in Washington. They're also suggesting that Ukraine has biological and chemical weapons in Ukraine. That's a clear sign he's considering using both of those. Talking about that was based on declassified intelligence, but we're also told the intelligence wasn't very clear about what exactly was going on. And they decided to, dis to disclose it as a way of deterring uh, Russia from doing that and putting the world on notice. We've never seen this level of information warfare before from the U.S. government. Another example was when they announced that Russia had gone to China uh, to ask for help with what with getting some weapons. That hasn't come to pass yet. Yes, and it was one U.S. official telling you it doesn't even have to be solid intelligence when we talk about it. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. April 8th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Really important conversation to be had. This is something that we've been circling around for a while, both Whitney Webb and myself discussing this building discussion, this building narrative that looks it looks like something that's been built for quite a long time, something that they've been planning, something that they've been working on, and now something that is coming to fruition right in front of us. Now, I think it's really important that we understand that just because this is a narrative does not then automatically mean, I'm just noticing that my resolution just auto goes low every time. I don't know why. Anyway, just brought it back to the good resolution. That just because this is obviously what is happening, and I just want to make this very clear, like you cannot deny what the CIA has been doing in Ukraine, what they their obvious connections to the Azov Battalion, their obvious connections to, I mean, even just the discussions of things like Maxar Technologies in regard to the evidence, the key evidence to what just happened is clearly linked to the CIA. The image, we, the segment we just showed you, which I'm going to start with today, Kendallanian. The key go that that's I mean they jokingly call him CIA. The guy is a CIA connected person, and it's just interesting how all of these parts are coming together. Now the point of it is, just because this is real, because the CIA has been cultivating this thing in in Ukraine and elsewhere in the world, does not therefore mean by default that, like I always say, that Russia or anybody else in this context is not capable of certain things or is not doing their own crimes or not committing their own manipulations. That's not the that's not the way this works. That's the binary world where tr they're trying to create left and right and black and white and whatever else where you're all divided along those lines. It's not that simple. So when we get into this today, we need to understand that first and foremost. But I, I will, as my opinion has made clear over the over the at least just the, the, the period of this Ukraine spur up here, because it's been going on a lot longer than February 25th. It's become clear that based on the evidence, my opinion is that it's quite obvious that this has been manufactured, that this has been almost entirely created, that actions that have been taken from Russia's side have been driven into reality. Now, does that mean that there hasn't been bad things that have happened that they've conducted that are war crimes and so on? I don't know that. I haven't seen any legitimate evidence that hasn't been at least questionable that shows that. And we've talked about Bucha, we've talked about the theater, we've talked about all these things. Now, there's possibilities that these are in and of themselves manipulations, the stuff that we're looking at. But at the end of the day, 
if you, for instance, can point at these things and and point and we'll again show you the uh, another part of Bucha today that shows you even further that it, apparently Maxar Technologies didn't even have satellites in place to be able to take these images in the times they said they did, which verifiable. I mean, I'm going to get to it today and you can see it, but it shows you that that means they took it before this started and during the time frame that they claim Russia was present and then left, which is documentable on either side of it because of Ukraine's narrative then it had to have been taken when Ukraine was in control. Now, my point is not to say that, you know, that in and of itself could have been manipulated, but the point is that adds a question to it. So I don't find that to be sound as as long with everything else. My point is that we're going to go through a, and more than you've seen in a while on this show, video after video after video after video of people that have been fleeing Mariupol, fleeing any location where it's Ukraine control, and they are similarly telling you a similar story. The how they've been hurt, how they've been starved, how they've been raped, robbed, and pillaged. Now, not I, you could consider that every single one of these from different locations and different people and different times of day and different over and over, all could be fake, and that is possible. But as I've said many times, why would you ignore all of it under the assumption that it's all fake with no with nothing to prove that, and then simultaneously take all? That one side is saying at face value without any due diligence to prove that it's true. That's what's happening right now, at least in the two-party paradigm. So we need to go through this with an even, even like, with, with an open mind and discernment and make sure we consider all of those things from all sides, including our audience here that is always watching this and always being objective. We have a tendency, myself included, to fall into you know, confirmation bias or whatever you want to talk about. We all do that. All of us, we're all, it's, I almost think it's in, we're incapable as human beings to not look into what we think might be the case. So it's not a bad thing necessarily, as long as you're aware that that happens and to take a point to to go outside of that direction, and look at a different thing, which is what I do every single day that a lot of people don't know that because a lot of it doesn't make the show is going over a lot of not, and it frustrates me. I have a lot of people to help me with this too. Like my, my brother, I mentioned often who watches these uh, you know, br- briefings that I hate to watch these days, but I go through this stuff, fine tooth comb, and I listen and I, and I research and I find similar things that you'll see today where it finds, oh, look, it ties back to a subjective statement coming from intelligence with nothing to back it up. And that gets parroted over and over and over and over as absolute fact. I don't know why anybody's okay with that today after Russiagate, after WMDs, after on and on and on. So we're going to start out today with this discussion of vanilla ISIS, of what has been built. The white supremacy threat that is going to be laid at the feet of the American people, in my opinion. Now, it being laid at the feet of the American people is my opinion. How it's been built is not my opinion. That's a fact. And it's very obvious. And I'm going to show you how we can see that even right now, the Western press is embarrassingly already still trying to reach over to Russia and say, look, they're the ones that are racist and Nazi and white supremacists. They're the ones building all this around the world with really nothing to to link it. Now, is it possible? Of course. But what's interesting, as I'm going to show you today, here's a video showing a guy who has a symbol getting an award in Russia that's kind of a Nazi neo-symbol, neo-Nazi symbol. And everybody's all upset about it. Oh my God, look, he's wearing a symbol that could be a neo-Nazi. While the Azov Battalion is being parroted everywhere with open, verifiable symbols. And yet that's okay, but this one that could be that he's getting maybe sending, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Either they're too brainwashed to see that they're ignoring one while kind of theorizing about something that isn't even solid on one side, or they're, I mean, or they're part of some larger agenda. Now, to not go any further on that, I want to 
start off with a quick point to show you how they are brainwashing, manipulating, lying, and framing it as honest development, truth, investigation, intelligence. I mean, this is what this boils down to, to me, for me, that's the clip I played in the beginning, is basically saying, well, it's okay that we lie and cheat and steal and rob and murder and give because we're the good guys, right? So when we lie, it's because we're good guys and we're trying to get ahead of the bad guy lies. I mean, they were treating you like you're six years old. It really is that obvious, guys. Now, yes, it's on the RT Gab account, so therefore you should not even look at it, dismiss it because fake news, right? Now, you can laugh, but if you actually have something in that ballpark of where you, oh, well, Russia, RT, it's probably fake, without even first looking at what it says, you've already fallen in that trap. Just because it's on RT or Fox News or CNN, for that matter, doesn't mean you should dismiss it. It means you should look at it, digest it, do your due diligence. Because RT, in my opinion, is the same as Fox and CNN. If you think one is state-sponsored, the other one is too, because they are exactly the same. Now, it says, three U.S. officials told NBC News that Washington is pushing fake news about Russia to apparently control decisions taken by the Kremlin, confessing that there was no evidence Russia was set to use chemical weapons in Ukraine. Now, this is the RT framing of it. And you'll see the difference when I play the NBC clip. But guess what? They're talking about the same exact thing. They admit, specifically, chemical weapons, they have nothing to back that up. Their point was, well, we wanted to say that. So if they, so, I mean, they argue that there was intelligence that suggested that, but it was really flimsy. And the point is, well, just in case he might have done it, if we say we know he's going to do it, that might scare him away from doing it. Because Putin's also six years old, right? Because that's how they're framing it. Because we'll just yell about something and he'll go, oh no, and run away from his designs. Like this is only aimed at the lowest common denominator. This is ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, from every possible angle. It says it's more, it doesn't have to be solid intelligence when we talk about it. Direct quote from a US official. It's more important to get out ahead of them before they do something. So we lie about things in case they might do them. Does that sound like a familiar line from the U.S. government? Sort of like, I don't know, making vaccines for a weapon they create because just in case somebody else has that same thing, because that's also stupid. And so is this. This is lying for lying's sake and then manufacturing some narrative to make it okay that you just outrageously lied about what you told them was absolute. And every media apparatus, every media outlet said they said this and chemical weapons and all the hype and discussions and theorizing and panels and all the pundits talking about what they might do was based on nothing. Really digest that. The spin out of the Western press was based on the fact that they lied because, well, we wanted to get ahead of it. (laughs) It's just this is this is the reality of where we are. Now, here is the clip that I played in the beginning. Well, I mean, we don't have to play the full thing again. Well, I mean, how long is it? Two minutes? I might as well, so you guys can see the full thing so I don't get accused of manipulating it or taking them out of context. Here's here's what it said. Now, don't forget, the reason I put those clips in the beginning with the, the other articles is because Kendallanian, I mean, the guy's a CIA stooge, in my opinion. Bottom line, that's my opinion. Bottom line, he got caught by other Western press for letting the CIA look at his reporting before he published it. Because that's what good journalists do, right? What else can I add, CIA government, that I'm supposed to be holding accountable? What would you like me to insert as if I wrote it? <laughs> this guy should never be working again, ever. But that's he does because that's how the system works within the mainstream apparatus. That's okay with them. Sort of how everybody lied about WMDs and all the people that lied and towed the line are more successful today than ever. But all the people that pointed out they were lying about WMDs and were right all went the other direction. 
Isn't that funny how that works? Sort of like with WikiLeaks, how they went after everybody who exposed the truth that they've admitted was the truth, but never actually went after the people that the truth exposed, even though they admitted it was true. How does that make sense? So it's a crime. They committed crimes, but let's arrest everybody that exposed those crimes. <laughs> how do we not see the reality of where we are today? Here's the clip. Using intelligence to fight an information war and doing it to Russia for months now, and it's working. NBC News National Security. Oh, yeah, I love that. And it's working. Oh, yeah, exactly. How is that? So they lied. They got caught lying. And I mean, I don't see any discernible example of how that did anything to Russia. Here's the point. It's working because they didn't use chemical weapons. You see how that works? Self-fulfilling prophecy. So could it, they, they might have been a, planning to use them, even though I'm pretty sure that's not the case, seeing as how there's literally no strategic benefit to that. And all it does is give the U.S. ammunition to point that and say, see, we told you. This is ridiculous, guys. It just doesn't make sense. But because it didn't happen, therefore, our information war worked. See how that works? I mean, I could start, I could lay parallels to COVID-19 all day long. It just keeps popping into my mind, right? Well, good thing I had the injection because, man, it would have been worse, right? I almost died, but if I didn't have the injection, I'm sure I would have been worse. Or every other politician that goes, God, I just got sick for the 13th time, but thank God my injection and boosters are here because it would have been worse. <laughs> they treat you like you're six years old. Fight an information war and doing it to Russia for months now, and it's working. NBC News national security correspondent Ken Delaney and live in Washington. Uh, Ken, I want to start uh, by giving people an example of what this is so they know what we're talking about. Take a look. Now, it's the clip of Biden saying we think he's working on chemical weapons or whatever. And the point was simply that they didn't have anything to back that up. They say they keep saying intelligence, but then they go on to say, but it doesn't have to mean anything. We don't even have to have actual connection. For, it to, for us to say, we'll just talk about it. But you see, the difference is they're not going, here's a fun topic that we can dissect and discuss for as a hypothetical. They're going, here's a fact, intelligence says. And then behind the scenes going, well, it's okay. We don't have to have facts to be able to talk about things we call facts. <laughs> it's just, this is just silly. Only people stuck in the two-party paradigm, I mean, at this point, on one side of it, would be promoting or uh, defending this. But of course, if that was Trump, which he's done too in that position, the other side would be defending it. So that's why I talk about the whole paradigm, not just one or the other side, but it flip flops, right? They're all lost. They're also suggesting that Ukraine. That's a can. Can you explain to our viewers what was going on there and what NBC News has learned about that claim this week from three different U.S. officials? The claim of them possibly using chemical weapons. Yeah, that was a great example of what we're talking about. That was based on declassified intelligence. But we're also told the intelligence wasn't very clear about. Now, remember what Ned Price said about declassified intelligence. Right. This is this is legitimate. I mean, this is a, this is a really important thing that they say that declassified intelligence is them telling you what they think. I'm not even making this up. Right. We've all we've genuinely talked about this more than once, that basically if they say it, then it is truth, right? I think I had that somewhere, but I won't try to grab it right now. But this was with uh, Matt Lee, and they were discussing specifically this topic, right, about what they know, and this was the beginning of it. This was about the, the false flags and crisis actors and the whole thing, remember, right before this actually started. I was going to try, I guess that's weird. I feel like, I mean, actually, I'm going to try to search for it really quickly because that is kind of important to play right now. Oops. 
There it is. Ah, of course not. Video. Here we go. Dang it. Why do they all give me... Give me a clip. Here we go. <laughs> Damn it. Great ads. I won't let, let you look at it, but... The point here as we go forward is that same guy, by the way, this is the main, this is the whole point. That's why this is important to include is because this person on the record in front of everybody said that if we say it, then it is in that. Here it is right here. Here, let me just do this. Make this simple. Apologies. I should have had this beforehand. I always do this where I think of things to include last second. You guys know this is just the, the way we do it. <laughs> okay, let's watch this. Uh, okay, well, that's a, quite a mouthful there. Um, so you said actions such as these suggest otherwise, suggest meaning they, they suggest they're not interested in talks and they're going to go ahead with some kind of a... What action are you talking about? One, the actions I've just pointed to. Uh, the what fact, action? What? The, the fact that Russia continues to engage uh, in disinformation well, uh, you campaigns. You've made an allegation that they might do that. Have they actually done it? Uh, what we know, Matt, is what we what I have just said that they have engaged in this activity, uh, in <laughs> this planning activity. But, activity. but let me let me because because obviously this is not this is not the first time we've made uh, these reports public. You'll remember that just a few well, weeks I, ago. I'm sorry, you, made, made, made what report public? If you let me finish, I will okay. tell you what report we made okay. public. Uh, we told you a few weeks ago that we have information indicating Russia also has already prepositioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in eastern Ukraine. Which, by the way, never happened. Don't forget that, right? This big discussion of crisis actors and false flags, and they clumsily fell all over that. They really tried, too. First one was the attempt to blame a kindergarten bombing on the other side, even though it turned out to be in Donbass, even though they lied about the other location. The bottom line was it was clearly the Ukrainians that bombed this, and they jumped right past that, and they haven't even pointed at it again. Then we go on to all the, I mean, the point was, remember, that Russia would do this to justify what it did, but it didn't. It just pushed in, right? So, it's just, you know, the funny part is that almost as if you could even argue that this conversation about this was what they did to drive Russia to take action in one way. But the bottom line is he's saying, because we say it, that is intelligence. And his reports are what they say they think he's doing. It's the point is this was really clumsy, but he didn't really say it. He tried to avoid it today. That's what we're talking about now. They've admitted this now. They're saying, look, well, we don't even, it doesn't even have to be solid intelligence when we talk about it. How embarrassing, right? This is really bad. They're trying to pass it off as well. We're playing the information war. So now you're doing the same thing Putin is, or rather what you say he's doing. Doesn't that make you just as bad? Oh, no, because you're a good guy, though. So it's okay. I mean, that's the only, that's the most logical way you can look at that. That it's okay they do it because they're a good guy. But at the bottom line, they're demonizing him for doing it, and then they do it too? I mean, it's just, you can't make how bust stupid this is. So that, Matt, to your question, is an action that Russia has already well, taken. It's an action that you say that... ...so has already prepositioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in eastern Ukraine. So that, Matt, to your question, is an action that Russia has already well, taken. It's an action that you say that they have taken. Exactly, and no one has proven that. They just say they're doing that. And that's the intelligence, because we say it. we're declassifying what we think. 
but you have shown no evidence to, 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 to confirm that. And I'm going to get to the next question here, which is, what is the evidence that they, I mean, this is like crisis actors, really? This is like Alex Jones territory you're getting into now. Um, what evidence do you have to support the idea that there is some propaganda film in the, in, in the making? Matt, this is derived uh, from information known to the U.S. government. Given to them by the Ukrainian government, most likely, right? That's the point. And then what this is the accuse them of that which you are guilty, which is what they've done the entire time. And they keep clumsily getting caught over and over and over. They keep messing up. They keep, you know, tripping over what they're doing. They keep, you know, we'll get into these today. Bucha, there's another update, what I told you about. So at the end, at the, at the very least, you have many examples of the Ukrainian government that they try. They're really terribly trying to cover up what they really are and it's coming out everywhere as they're now trying to point at russia which is the main point today they're just trying to cover up what they're doing it seems in a really clumsy fashion but ned price said it therefore it must be russia intelligence information that we have declassified i think you well, know okay well where where is it where where is this information it is intelligence information that we have declassified well where is it where's the declassified information i just delivered it no, you made a series of allegations and statements. Would you, would you like us to print out the topper? Because you will see a transcript of this briefing that you can print out for but yourself. That's not evidence. See, I, I genuinely, so I said this before, Ned Price doesn't even understand, in my opinion, or he's really good at pretending. He's just baffled. Did you see his eyes, the way he looked when he said that? Look at that. The guy's like, uh, like you're, I mean, I just told you. So I'll print out what I said. That is, we declassified what I'm saying. Okay, where is that intelligence? Well, I just told you. I mean, you could go round and round and round. This is just ridiculous. Now, I can end it here because I, I love this clip. This is such an important clip, guys. We need to see it. This is where this comes from to this. This is, this is the, the evolution of that understanding. Now they're basically just going, well, now we're just going to say it. But we're going to say it because you already see through us. But we're going to now try to reframe it. This is the, this is the, the information war is being waged on you, guys. That's what this really is. You. Not against Putin. Not against the Russian people. Well, they may in a small degree because they're manipulating the world. But this is being aimed at you. It doesn't have to be solid if we talk about it. Yeah, you're damn right. Ned Price made that pretty damn clear. I almost cursed right there. Anyway, I won't play it. I, I must get past it. It's taking too long on this. But the point is, this is very obvious. Very, very obvious. Here's Ken Delanian sent CIA drafts of stories. So the CIA tie to this is very obvious. He says, quote, I'm working on a story about congressional oversight of drone strikes that can present a good opportunity for you guys. So this pretend journalist reaches out to the CIA and says, I'm covering a story that is calling out what you're clearly involved in. So here's an opportunity for you guys to influence this story. This guy is a joke. Anybody, anywhere, there's an honest journalist would laugh and they have and they do. But yet the Western mainstream press loves him. What does that tell you? Crazy. Now, starting off with this point here, Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda. This is Whitney's outstanding article from March 2nd that I really hope you will read, if you haven't already, that lays this out in clear. I mean, what's, what would be good? Technical doesn't work these days. That just lays it out in obvious fashion. I'm going to reference this more as we go through this. But the point, if you haven't read this already, is just showing the background of the, the, the reality of this story. That whether you want to call it Ukraine is the new Syria, because that's what that was kind of the first thing that I picked up on and the way that Whitney framed it as Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda. It's the same story. We're talking about the idea of how they're building the next the next version of what they created in Syria, which we should know by now, if you're honest, 
if you care at all about the facts on the ground, which is that they have clearly the whole mo moderate rebels. Does anybody still pretend that's what it was? These are terrorists. On the face, record open terrorists. And they funded, armed them, brought them over from Libya and everywhere else, created the problem, which they're still fomenting in Syria. The, the point was, though, they used that and then outsourced it around the Middle East. Now, what we're seeing here is how they've been building, at least for my research in 1948, a fascist threat that they originally were trying to use against Soviet Union. But since then, it's become Russia. And so now it's the same idea. But same point today, since the 2014 regime change. Now, I don't now, honestly, I should point out that I don't know what became of this between I, where would I put it? Let's just say, you know, 1948 forward, they were building, a, and, I'll, and I'll briefly point that. No, actually, I'm just going to show you the article today, but we discussed this from the past, where they picked out these very obvious extremists. A person who was put was sentenced to death for murdering the Polish Minister of Interior, an open Nazi war criminal, who they then put, plucked out, made the leader of Prologue, a New York company, which is a crime. The CIA created that. I don't know why that's allowed. And built this organization or built what they had was a failing organization into a gigantic fascist organization inside this country. And that's not just what I call it. That's what they say themselves. So at some point between there and 2014, it seems like it, I don't know if it was quietly still building or dissipated, but the point was in 2014 and 15, it had a gigantic reinvigoration, reinvigoration. So the point is that then we see the Yeza Battalion, who was already there, get a very big spotlight. But in the way back then, and up until about 2021, which was sort of like, oh no, this really dangerous neo-Nazi group, which is funny because now they say the exact opposite, is building an international white supremacy threat because the point was that was going to be laid at the feet of Russia as they're already trying to do right now. And I'll show you next. With even the Aza Battalion, if you can't even believe that. But that it was something that was being built there surreptitiously it was being trying to be weeded out by the Ukrainian government, which is an utter lie. And it was going to tie back to the Russian imperial movement and everything else and the growing international threat. And it was going to be used as the domestic threat, white supremacy, building idea of domestic terrorism, vanilla ISIS, and the whole thing they've already been clumsily patching together. So read this if you want more on that specific in-depth detail, because there's a lot of great points in here. But this is what Whitney shared with me, actually, just yesterday. We were just talking about this. We've been waiting for this predicting this, telling you this would happen. Not just this question, but this building thing that's already now being pushed in. Now, why in the world during all of this, when you know that even to the point to where the Western corporate press has now been saying, you know, well, the Yaza Battalion is pretty neo-Nazi, but here's why it's not what Putin said. Here's why it's not from, you know, 2014, they got integrated and they're no longer the problem or they're not neo-Nazis. Even though at the same time, a lot of these outlets are kind of under that, quietly arguing that there's still an international threat building white supremacy. Why? How does that even make sense? Well, because the clear narrative and the agenda is to create the threat of the international concept. But how do they tie back to the Aza Battalion when now that's been exposed as obviously tied to not Russia and obviously tied to the CIA? I mean, it's, it's just very strange, right? And the point was, in the midst of everything that's happening, why would you go, would Russia inspire white supremacy threats? Why wouldn't you ask the obvious? There's Americans fighting alongside the open neo-Nazi Aza Battalion, and we're going to point at Russia? Why wouldn't we say, wouldn't the Aza Battalion potentially create it? Nope. Not even a single question, no discussion, because you're a conspiracy theorist if you point to that obvious reality, right? Well, here is a scary question. Jen Pisaki added, and yes, I know her real name, added, if Russia might, quote, ask, excuse me, if Russia might try to inspire 
terrorist attacks by white supremacists in the United States. Now, even just that question being put on the record becomes something that will end up being like the bottom line is, let's say something happens. Aza Battalion. Or let's say specifically the Rise Above Movement, which is the international arm of the Aza Battalion. If you didn't know that, you haven't been watching our show. The Rise Above Movement, they as the the key central part of the Unite the Right rally, which was tried to already be laying or was already tried to was already a, being used against the conservative movement, against Trump, against MAG, against whatever else. And no, that's not an endorsement or protection of one side or the other. I think they're all mostly people lost in the two-party paradigm, lost. But the point is that it's being laid at them. But then also anybody else they want to just call that, like me, for example, even though I'm obviously two-party illusion is ridiculous, but they still pretend I'm a conservative when they want to, still can pretend like I'm a liberal when they want to. It's just ridiculous. But my point is they could blame me by saying that I do this, and therefore I'm a conservative, therefore I'm a terrorist. Like, it's that simple. We've already seen how ridiculous it is. Oh, Red Hat must be a conservative racist. Right? It's, it's silly. It is subjective. But that's the, that's the level of Western press today. So now that you ask, could they try to inspire this? The point, again, was I was saying was, let's say they do something. Well, their narrative is going to be like, well, Russia probably did that. Russia probably inspired these attacks by the rise of a movement in the United States. And who cares that they're directly connected to the Aza Battalion that was funded and armed by the CIA? Who cares about that? Can you not see how this could already go? I mean, it's very clear. Now, here's what it says. Jen Psaki at, was asked a scary question by the Independent. Now, what, what triggered this question? To me, my gut tells me this was coordinated. Why would you ask such a question? What's the evidence that Russia is even remotely doing this or could do this or has done? There's nothing. It's all narrative. I'll make that even more clear in a moment. But they just asked this question. Where are all the questions about the Aza Battalion? Like, it's just so, so it's so one-sided. Could Russia become desperate enough, he asks, to try and spur white supremacist terrorist attacks in the United States? Now, why would that even be a logical thought? So let's just say Russia gets desperate because they're clearly not struggling in Ukraine. But yeah, they're desperate all of a sudden. So they just go, let's create white supremacy threats in the U.S. That makes sense. Like, how does that even connect to what's happening? Like, I don't even understand their logical step there. So the only reason this makes sense to me is because that's a, that's a connection they want to make. That Russia is creating white supremacy in the United States, period. Because that's the narrative. You see what I'm saying? Like, I just don't understand how it connects back to Russia being involved in Ukraine while they're accusing them of being Nazis, which is very clear in regard to many of the regiments and the Ukraine government itself. And yet he might get desperate to do that. It's childish. I mean, we must see how ridiculous it is. There's no logic to that connection other than that they tell you Russia is doing this because they want you to think that. Now that, and by the way, in no way means that there's not white supremacy groups or neo-Nazi groups in Russia. It does no way means that Putin might not support them or they might not. I'm not even getting into that. That's not the point. But see, people who want to play a two-party game hear one point and think, well, he must be a supporter of Russia because they're children. This is just about the facts. For several years now, journalists and other media figures have been pointing out the relationship between white supremacists and Russia. Exactly. Based on what evidence exactly? There's really none. I mean, it's very flimsy. They're, the best they have is one article claiming groups that were sent to Donbass. And again, the Russian imperial movement is on the record as being what they are, and that's not even the point. There are white supremacy or neo-Nazi groups all around the world. It says, Russian Federation President Putin is seen as a hero by many right-wing extremists. Great. So people like D David Duke reach out and go, Putin's the one. 
because it's not like David Duke is obviously a puppet little, I mean, a good God. That guy is used in all the times they need him to be. He steps up and supports the guy. I support Trump or whatever. It's just that guy, in my opinion, is probably an asset. Just my thoughts. Bottom line is, so if I stood up today and said, I support, I, I, uh, this guy is a hero to me. Does that mean that guy believes everything I believe? Does that mean by default? I mean, we know this. I shouldn't have to go through these childish Western media points. They see him as a hero. Therefore, Putin is a Nazi, right? That's, that's the legitimate level of their intelligence. The Young Turks, great compromised outlet, right? And host Shank Uger, whatever how you pronounce his name, sparked intense reaction recently when he connected that relationship to attitudes about the war. This is not a joke, by the way. This guy who pretends, these people who pretend to be independent media, who are basically mainstream media light, quote, right wing doesn't love Putin just because he's an authoritarian. Oh, the, the right wing loves Putin? I mean, can you not, can you get any stupider than that? I mean, really think about it. Where, I mean, they, they are across the board, pretty much the opposite. Now, that's just by looking at any conservative discussion, but because they want to kind of wink, wink, nudge, they believe it deep down below and they don't say it out loud because he knows, because he's an insider, right? Totally. No, this is an opinion that's been pushed forward by Western press or written at ad nauseum by other Western mainstream press, as as Whitney's pointed out, saying there's a love affair between the conservative movement and Putin. Well, where's the evidence of that? They say the exact opposite. So you guys are saying, no, they don't mean what they're saying. They actually secretly think this. Prove it. This doesn't matter, though. You see, people like these guys are towing the line because it's profitable, because they are in they believe. I mean, I think people like this want to be mainstream media. That's my opinion. But he says right wing doesn't love Putin just just because like I love how you can know they love Putin. It's so stupid because he's authoritarian, tyrannical leader. They love him because he's white authoritarian leader, right? Because all conservatives all like authoritarian, tyrannical stuff, don't they? As they're screaming for freedom and democracy and republic and and you know, I mean, just I can't. I I wish I could do an entire show on just making fun of this because I want to. It really is this stupid to pretend that people that are openly fighting and screaming about how their democracy has been stolen are are wanting authoritarian, tyrannical stuff. It's in fact the exact opposite when when on the surface narrative. But really, both sides of the paradigm are trying to subjugate you. This guy is part of that problem. Race has become more important than ever, nor than even nationality. He says. Except for all of the, all the black and different, I mean, all the different races that are involved in the conservative movement. But yeah, that's all just who cares. Because, you know, don't let the facts get in the way of your ridiculous narrative. They've turned on democracy and now even America in favor of a white warlord. This guy's literally broad brushing the entire Republican, 50% of the country and saying all of them don't care about uh, nationality anymore. It's all about race. They've turned on democracy. Ah, God, I just... Let it go. Guy's ridiculous. Mr. Feinberg says, thank you. You talked about the increasing picture of Russia's economy. Over the years, public reporting has shown that white supremacists and other domestic extremists have developed an affinity for Russia. Oh, public reporting, huh? That seems sound. Is there any concern that as the Russian economy continues to degrade, which I don't see... Is that even what's happening? The, that Russia might try and inspire domestic extremists, domestic terrorists to commit acts of violence on American soil in retaliation? Why would it be white supremacist? Why would that even be the case? I mean, I just, I could ask this question over and over. Anybody that's not a child level intellect can see that this is just floating what they think and framing it as fact, just like Ned Price was. Ms. Pisaki says, it's an interesting and scary question. 
Now ask yourself this, when have you ever heard her do this in times when it wasn't a couched question? She always has something to say, especially when it's something like, but the point is, this is clearly what they want floated. Here's her response. I don't have any prediction or assessment of that, nor have I heard any prediction or assessment of that from our national security experts or the Department of Homeland Security, except they've talked about it a thousand times. Talk about a ridiculous lie. I'm happy to check with them and see if there's anything on that front. Are you really pretending that she hasn't seen the overwhelming conversation about this exact point for years? Like that's the most obvious, that's like, that's what, that's what they call the, the uh, deafening sound of silence. Seriously. I mean, how about this? How about this discussion from, uh, when was it, 2020? Are you pretending that she doesn't know this and every single one of them see it coming and nobody knows what to do about it, but she just doesn't know about that? The world is changing and every counterterrorism professional I speak to in the federal government and overseas feels like we are at the doorstep of another 9-11, maybe not something that catastrophic in terms of the visual or the um, uh, the numbers, but that we can see it building and we don't quite know how to how to stop it. Right. That's talking about white supremacy. That's the whole point of that. Theory. Whitney and I did a whole discussion of this. So every single one of them sees this coming, but yet she's never heard of this from them before, ever. This is probably why she's running from this job, because she's terrible at it. They all seem to be. I, it's just because they just lie after lie after lie, and it just it's ridiculous. But that's her answer. Although still a minority, a recent poll shows that right-leaning respondents were more than twice as likely to hold favorable views of Putin. I mean, what does that even mean? Because I understand that by saying something, like for instance, I'll sit here and say that I don't support any government and I think all of them are dangerous, but yet I'll say something that they think is Putin supportive and they'll frame me as supporting Putin. We all know that for, and both sides do that. So the point is when they take this poll, which is polling who exactly? The right-leaning respondents and they're going to tell you what they want you to know. That's ridiculous. They're polling people about those people. Look at it for yourself. What a dumpster fire. These people are ridiculous. They're selling you their own opinions as absolute fact because that's what their job is today. Shank included. I know that's not his name. So <laughs> but here is the point in regard to where this is building. And I kind of wanted this one tweet to hopefully stay out there for a while. I've been trying to keep these in the feed so people can see them. Right. So her the response is saying, well, 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 we don't know. And we'll see. And just to get this narrative out there, could they do this? Is it coming? As I said, there it is. And again, thank you to Whitney for showing this to me. I think this was yesterday or today, even though this narrative was destroyed before it even got off the ground. Thanks to you. Thanks to Whitney. Thanks to everybody in the independent media that's been poking away at this obvious connection that they don't want you to see. They're still pushing it, though. So the good guy extremists in Ukraine are apparently okay, right? We'll just ignore that they're neo-Nazis as they admit that they are, but kind of not what you think because Putin bad guy and like just this disgusting mental gymnastics equivocation. It's embarrassing. So, but those guys are okay. But the bad guy Putin might, the, the, but the bad guy Putin might try to grow the same in the U.S. And that's a threat to our democracy. Why is it different? These guys are some of the most open, dangerous, really, really disgusting level extremists in Ukraine. And it's so obvious everybody sees it, even them, and they're trying to hide it. But Putin might do this as a way to retaliate against the economy and whatever else. Not even happening if it's might in the future. And that is the focal point. That's the concern. This is Western journalism. The reality, as I said, is this, that they've been building it. It's already there. 
And of course, the article here that you really should understand is that from 1948 forward, they built this. They've been continuing to build it. It's all on the record. It's directly from a CIA document. Then, of course, don't forget Zelensky and his backers are directly tied to that Azov Battalion. But he's Jewish. That's not pot. You're wrong. It's obvious. He very clearly is connected because Kolomoisky, who is the oligarch who now lives in Tel Aviv, his son's name is Israel, was in Ukraine before, and he was the owner of the One Plus One station that Zelensky used to be a part of, where he played a president on TV before he then became the president, because that's how that usually goes. And of course, all the people that worked at that station in some, to some part that I, I, I'm sure they've been added after that, but when they first developed the administration, well, they just you pull, pull people from that TV station. It's on the record. How does it make sense to pull people that run a TV station to run in a country? Because you're not actually running a country. You're running an illusion. That's the point. This is all on the record, guys. The point, though, is Kolomoisky is the primary backer of, I mean, I, I, as far as I can tell, the only backer. He bankrolled Zelensky's running for president, cars, security, everything. Oh, and they forget to mention that he also is the primary backer of the Azov Battalion? They're both Jewish, by the way, but nobody talks about that because there's more going on here. And of course, a U.S. aid employee has, was the key witness in the Mariupol theater bombing. Why aren't we talking about that? Nobody care, fake news. And then, of course, the main part down here is that this is the queen I keep sharing, that they know this stuff. The U.S. Congress made sure they'd be funded. The CIA's trained them since 2015. It's all on the record. The FBI documents themselves discuss how they're connected to the Rise Above movement, connected to the National Guard, connected to, specifically in this case, Olina Semenka, the leader of the International Deve Department for the National Corps, which is a political party. They are neo-Nazis. This is the FBI document for 2018 pointing this out. We should all know this by now. But the, one of the main points I'll come back to again is that they made sure quietly they would fund these groups from 2016 forward. But I'm going to show you again today that a recent article just made the claim again that they made sure they didn't fund them. But that's not what happened. Under pressure from the Pentagon, Congress stripped the spending bill of an amendment that stopped that funding. So they continue to fund them. It never even stopped. So you're telling me these amazing journalists in the Western press don't know how to find that out? They just don't care. They don't look at They don't want you to know that. All the links are in the, in the tweet. You can check them for yourselves. Now I'll come back to that. So here, oh, uh, before I get to the next part, here, just what, what Slow News Day pointed out. Let me get this straight. Russia gets kicked out, which, they, which is unbelievable, by the way. A founding member of the UN gets kicked out of the UN Human Rights Council on the same day that Zelensky gives an address to Greece right next to a couple of actual Nazis. We live in a cartoon. I agree. Now here is the part that just really surprised me. Like I'm, I'm really a taken, taken aback that this is being done right now of all times. Like usually there's a little more of a space between this stuff. This is, a, this is the 5th of April, 2022. Pro-Russian fighter with Nazi patches gets medal for killing Nazis. So they, they, they'll talk about this and scream about how dangerous it is that he has a symbol that could be Nazi symbolism. And I'll go into why this could. And why that proves that they're not fighting Nazis and that Russia are Nazis. And they're not going to talk about the obvious symbolism of the Azov Battalion. No, they go, oh, no, you don't understand. It's from before. You don't even know. It's not the same one. You don't have blah, 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 blah. These people... Brandon Cole is either, I mean, this is the only, I always do this, guys. This, this person, 
is either I what's the right word for it? In a controlled flow of information. I mean, just chew they has no idea that he's this ridiculous that they're just ignoring. Like you'll write an entire article about people with symbols on their arms while you're ignoring and promoting and fighting for a group that is literally open about it. Either you don't know that, and for some ridiculous reason you can't, you don't, as a supposed journalist, or you're aware and hiding it from people. I just don't know how else to frame it. Here, let's watch the video first. No, no volume. It's just showing you putting this on there. They're talking about these symbols right here, and I'm going to go into what they are and why it's a hypothetical, whereas the Azab Battalion symbols are overt obvious Nazi symbolism. Okay, so that's what they're pointing out right there. Those two symbols. Now, could those be used and have they possibly been used in some variation for whites? Yes. But let's go through the article first. The claim that Russian President Vladimir Putin is seeking the denazification of Ukraine clashed with reality after video showed a pro-Russian soldier wearing neo-Nazi symbols while being awarded a medal for fighting in the city of Mariupol. Okay, let's break down just the first paragraph. So first of all, the claim that he's seeking denazification. Now, you could argue that's not true. I don't know how anybody would prove his intent or whether he means it. But are there open Nazi, neo-Nazi, white supremacy, extremist groups that are being currently used? in? yes, obviously, in Ukraine. Are they at the tops of pretty much every leadership group? Yes. Like at some point... As just like with COVID and the story, like they're just shouting down anything that goes against it. But just like the other stories, eventually these things will trickle out as they are now. It is everywhere. This is not some little small volunteer battalion that was stopped in 2014. I mean, even their own articles are showing you the opposite today. So I just don't know why these people can't see through it. But the point is, sure, you could argue that's not what he's trying to do. But to say that it clashed with reality after this person one soldier has patches that you say, let's just say they are Nazi symbols. Why even then would that suddenly undermine the narrative that he's trying to do that? Because wearing a Nazi symbol is quite a bit different than being an open neo-Nazi that's actively ethnically cleansing people right in front of you, right? But that's, that's not the point, or that's not the case, though, because these symbols are not what they're saying they are. In my opinion, in this context, I'll prove it to you. For instance, wearing a, in the United States, wearing a Confederate flag, there's U.S. soldiers right now that wear those things. And of course, they today would want to claim that as a neo-Nazi or white supremacy, but that's not necessarily the case. That symbol, as I've said before, which is uh, super sensitive right now in the midst of this big white supremacy talk, is not in fact always, or even, I mean, it's just a symbol. It is in fact a symbol of, 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 a, of a different time, of a different history of America different groups of America and doesn't always have to be a white supremacy symbol. Yes. Has it been used as that way? Yes. But so too have a lot of symbols. My point is simply that because a person wears it, that doesn't therefore mean that every single person on that side thinks a certain way or has a certain opinion or is taking certain actions. We can all see that when we compare it on our side of it, but because that one guy's got a symbol, that means they're not doing what they say they're doing and that they're all Russian. I mean, come on. I just don't understand how it's devolved to such a blatant, unjournalistic. They're not even sort. Where are their source material? Where are their sources? Oh, one anonymous source. Great job. We He looks like this. Therefore, he must be a Nazi. Good job, journalism. It's pathetic. Putin and the Kremlin have pushed propaganda to justify the invasion of Ukraine. So again, so did you prove that's not what he's doing? No. 
You're saying that it's this it's clashed with reality because we think this. So now the next sentence is he's pushed propaganda to justify it because we know that. So your assumption and your subjective point becomes fact in the next paragraph. Great job. By claiming the government in Kiev is run by Nazis, despite Ukrainian president being Jewish, they keep shoving that in. Despite the fact that they were Jewish groups in the, on the Nazi side, despite the fact that they were Jewish collaborators with the Nazis, you know, none of that matters. Facts don't matter in the, in the you know, as I say, don't let the facts get in the way of your fun little narrative, guys. Or how about the fact that whether that was even the case, that somebody being Jewish doesn't mean anything in regard to whether they will work with somebody that benefits them in the agenda or whether he's even actually Jewish. Oh, no, I'm going to get attacked for that one, right? Because that's racist. No. Why would that be racist? We know that there are people lying about things in every given situation. How about Trump lying about being a Christian? Oh, no, I'm going to insult even more people. These are reality, guys. Can people lie about what they believe? Yes. Sorry, put, put on your, your, your earmuffs, right? Your baby ears. This is the reality, guys. So the claims have been rejected by Zelensky and the international community. Oh, yeah, have they? The international community who are, open, I mean, everywhere in the world pointing out what's really happening. Now, it says Moscow has also inflated the role in Ukraine's military of the Azov Battalion, a far-right paramilitary group in besieged Mariupol. Right, see, this is my point. Here they are claiming he's inflated the role of the Azov Battalion. Now, I'm going to go through today and show you other current articles from right now that are pointing out that it's got over an outsized influence over the entirety of the Ukrainian government and that that might build a white supremacy threat. And, oh, no, look at what the U.S. is doing. How can you make both those arguments simultaneously? Because we're in the world of fact of, of the, the post-truth world they've created for us, where you can say two things that directly contradict each other in the hopes that you confuse people. They just give up and listen to what you say in any given moment. Video shared by Storyful shows a soldier named as Lieutenant Roman Vorobayov from, a, from the Somalia Motorized Rifle Battalion, the person you just saw a moment ago, receiving the St. George Cross number 2 award while wearing far-right insignia. Now, it certainly could be. I just disagree, and I'll show you why. Receiving the award on Sunday, uh, th this person, Dennis Pushlin, who is the Putin-sponsored head of the self-promoted Dunyak's People's Republic, which is funny because what we'll show you today is one of the claims coming from uh, one of the, the recent, uh, this story here we'll get to in a moment. The train, the missile strike on the trains. Well, guess what? As always, Ukraine says. Great job, journalism. Great job. I don't, I don't when, it, when Putin says something or Russia says something, I don't see them, or Russian government says something, I don't see them report it and say Russia says. So why not? Well, because they're one-sided and they're children. <laughs> but the bottom line is this is, the, this is the guy that has been put in place to support or, or you know, uh, run, I mean, what's the right word for it? As the head, oops, knocked over my paper, as the head of the Donetsk People's, Donetsk People's Republic. Whereas right now there's a fake person operating out of, Ukraine, who they pretend is in control of Donetsk, and he's the one that spoke up about what happened there. You see, the reason they're doing that is because they want it to sound like the, the Donetsk people are speaking up against something, and they're just, it's just another manipulation. I'll come back to that point, but he's the one putting patches on this person's arm. One is a modified version <clears throat> of a skull and crossbones emblem used by Nazi Germany, or literally any other million other ways not, uh, skull and crossbones have been used. All right, so the point is a modified version. So it's not the symbol they used. It's simply a skull and crossbones with other things added to it. Sort of like, I could give you an endless example. Pirates or how about the U.S. military? Who used the same? But no, they don't want to give you that context because that's not what it's about. It's about selling you on a narrative, right? I'll show you in a minute. 
The other is a Valknut or Valknut or Valknut or Odin's Knot is what it's called, which is a symbol of interlocking triangles from Norse mythology, commonly used by neo-Nazis. Well, I actually don't even see that, to be quite honest. There are people that have used it. I'll come back to it. But even if it is, it's a symbol that has a lot of other meanings. Now, Pushlin posted on the video of him presenting the award on his Telegram channel and said the unit led by this person and another lieutenant had killed more than 40 militants. He said the award was given to fighters who had especially distinguished themselves in Mariupol. Right. We're going to show you what everybody's telling you is happening in Mariupol as we get through this. None of them seem to be pointing at the Russians and saying they're hurting us. Just remember that. He wrote that under his leadership, the unit was under heavy enemy fire in residential areas, which we'll also show you, them all telling you, but destroyed 45 units and more than 250 Nazis. Addressing the camera. Now, by the way, here's a good example of something like, are they all Nazis? Are all these people they attacked or fought or killed even neo-Nazis, or are they just part of the Ukrainian military? So you can understand how even Russia, especially with how this is getting attention, will then use this in their own propaganda. You see what I'm saying? Like, they all do this. So the, even the idea of them denazifying Ukraine has become more of a propaganda push, even though I do agree or do believe that it's rooted in the reality. Question everything, guys. Addressing the camera, he spoke of how we engaged in cleaning Mariupol from fascist reptiles, that the city was, quote, everything for us, and that we will make it to the end. So that's what they're trying to kind of like selectively edit these things and quote them in certain ways to make it seem like they're going to keep, because what they want you to hear underneath that is that they're killing people in Mariupol and they're going to keep going, but that's not what's actually happening. And at the end of the day, that's not even what they're saying, but they just want you to take the narrative they've already spun and apply it to what you're hearing. In March, Zelensky warned that Putin's laughable claims that the government in Kiev was full of neo-Nazis, even though it's provable, and even the Western press has now admitted that, but he said, oh, laughable claims of what we know is the reality showed that, quote, he might be capable of very horrendous steps because that would mean that this is not a game for him. What? So Putin, they claim he lies about Nazis, even though it's verifiable. And that somehow means he might be capable of very horrendous steps because he would mean that this is not a game for him. Okay. <laughs> so he lied about this, therefore, anything you want to fit in here. Like, this, there's no connection to that whatsoever. So I guess because he lies, he might be capable of murdering people. <laughs> it's just it's just dumb. This guy is ridiculous. And every time he opens his mouth, he makes a fool of himself. Quote, if he sees signs of neo-Nazis in our country, then maybe questions emerge about what else is he is capable of doing. That's an interesting statement. That could be taken as two things, either suggesting that he's the one putting those Nazis in the country, which I promise you is the point. Or simply that he sees them and they're not there. So what else is he capable of? And of course, the Western press loves to blindly repeat what he says, even though they're simultaneously admitting that they are there. It's just really dumb. I can't get past this. But here they are. So look at these symbols on this guy's arm. Therefore, they're the Nazis and they're lying about denazifying. Before we get to how stupid that is in regard to how openly neo-Nazi the Yaza Battalion and Right Sector and Georgia Legion and the National Corps and Svoboda and all the parties they don't point at when they only pretend it's Yaza Battalion. Let's take a look at these. Here's the Volknut. <clears throat> now, this is a very old symbol. The Volknut is a symbol. This is Wikipedia, first of all, consisting of three ident interlocked triangles. It appears on a variety of objects from the 
uh, archaeological record of the ancient Germanic peoples. Now, this is predominantly Nordic and, and as far as I understand it in, you know, Viking uh, uh, mythology. It says the term Valknut is derived from the modern era and the term or terms used to refer to the symbol during the historical employment is unknown. Now, of course, in here they include, and this is, this is, the, this is what even Wikipedia says. So they're pointing at this symbol as like proof that this guy's a Nazi and that they're Nazis, right? Here's what Wikipedia says. The only mention, the Volknut has seen has seen some use by white supremacists. Well, that's pretty sound, huh? The ADL, of course, notes that non-racist pagans may also use the symbol. So, so one should carefully examine it in the context rather than assume that they're racist. <laughs> Even the ADL says that, for crying out loud. Now, realizing that there is plenty of overlap of that in Russia specifically, that's that that'll that should, but that could be applied anywhere in the world. So they take a subjective possibility and make it fact. M exactly what Western Press does as a policy today. And it's been seen by some. Well, it gets more it gets better than that. Now you're going to see an endless listing of groups writing about why this is white supremacy and tying it back to some subjective open things like this, right? And when you look at these things, you'll note that they all come from a very specific time frame. Right. It's quite interesting to me how all these articles, you can go through and look at them. They're all from right around the same time. Oh, look at that. It even has this guy right in the picture. Right. In case you missed that when I was showing it, don't take, take a look at who they're showing there with the symbol on his arm, on his chest. One of the biggest, most obvious psyops that we've ever seen, January 6th. And the main guy just so happens to have this symbol on his chest. Now, does that make him a neo Nazi? Well, it does because they say that now. But I mean, click any one of these for yourselves and take a look at what we're actually talking about. It's a subjective discussion about this classic symbol, about how it applies to today. How was I? There we go. Anyway, I'll go through and look at it for yourself. Hey, just, this is the one, the first one. The bottom line is this is all from post-January 6th, and in my opinion, trying to blame this. Now, don't forget why this connects back to the larger story. This is the entire idea. This is the vanilla ISIS idea. This is MAGA equals vanilla ISIS, which is the whole thing that was trending even on Twitter. They're framing these people as white supremacists, even though there's not any real indication that that's what was happening, and especially since there was a lot of people that weren't white at this entire thing. That's why they're pretending vanilla ISIS, right? How that somehow explains the absolute idiocy of that comment, that, that phrase. But then also remember that the whole point is that this was meant to be tied back to the larger discussion of Ukraine, of Rise Above movement, which is all tied back to the Aza Battalion. Specifically, these people and these groups and specifically these symbols and everything else. And I'm going to make it a more obvious point using the base, which Whitney and I also talked about. But here's another example of this. Viking symbols, Valknut. It says the Valknut is one of the most famous and popular Viking symbols. So isn't it possible that somebody in anywhere in the world might have this symbol or might use this symbol in military context? And here's, you know what? Here's something I didn't even do. Hold on. Let me check one more thing. I did this with the other one, which we'll get into next. Let's find out if there's any. I mean, this would just make me laugh if it's this obvious. Hold on. Let's check to see if there's a tie to the U.S. military. No way. Okay, well, these are Viking. USA flag with the Viking vault. Let's see. I don't see anything. See, they try to <laughs> look at this. Right. I mean, they're really trying to make this into be like, look, questionable tattoos. Like, see, Daily Mail was writing about this. 
They, they are building this narrative. Questionable tattoos and other symbols linked to extremist organizations. That's it. It's a subjective link. They're trying to build this connection. Meanwhile, ignoring what's going on in Ukraine right now. Let's do this. Last look. Nothing stands out as actually officially um, U.S. military. And if you guys have something like that, let me know. The other one I do. I'll show you the other one next. <clears throat> huh. None of them look official to me. I'll look back on this later as we go forward and see if there's anything that's actually like a U.S. military patch. But anyway, the real point was that this is a, a broad symbol. Famous Viking symbol. Now, my point was that what couldn't this be used as a military patch because of its symbolism that has nothing to do with white supremacy? Obviously. Anybody who's not, you know, forcing in a aggressive narrative can stand back and be like, well, yes, that's possible. Also known as Odin's knot, the knot of the slain warrior. See what I mean? So why couldn't you be have like the slain warrior symbolism as a representative of, let's say, a member of your military unit that died, or maybe the fact that you're putting your life on the line? Or nah, that's all fake news. The Valknut is considered as a symbol of Odin, which, by the way, in its own right has you could draw a military context. But it says this emblem is also found in art depictions of the god Odin, where it may represent the god's power over death. Again, an obvious connection that you could argue a military person would see having power over death. Now, some versions of the Vulcan can be drawn in some strokes, making it uh, a, a popular talisman of protection. Oh, how about that too? Right? So the slain warrior, power over death, and protection fr from anything. Protection. Yeah, none of that makes sense for a warrior or a military personnel, right? Skipping over all of that, they just go, it must be neo-Nazis because we say it is. Why? Well, because some people somewhere have done it before. That's the, this is the level of corporate media. It's really bad. I mean, it's always been bad, in my opinion, but it's got really bad. Now, here is the skull and crossbones emblem used by Nazi Germany. I put it exactly what they wrote. Now, you will find some symbols of Nazi, the, the Nazi symbol, right? So this is the, the supposed Nazi or the variations of the Nazi symbol, which, by the way, is pretty much the skull and crossbones, which is used all over the place, right? But first, I'll recognize that it's not actually the same symbol. It's wearing a it's wearing a beret, and it, you know it looks like more of a skull than technically skull and crossbones. But could mean that, right? We could be honest. It could be a Nazi symbol. Sure, why not? Well, then it would be the same for U.S. military, then, wouldn't it? Yes. Now, of course, that actually would probably be what they want, just not yet, right? They want to make that claim because they're going to try to tie the military back in. Because all about this, the same thing, guys. But right now, you can see all sorts of patches. Well, here's just two examples. <clears throat> U.S. military armed forces sticker decal. U.S. military patriarch license plate. Now, these aren't official necessarily, but you can find it. I just grabbed the first two that looked similar. The point is you can look through this, guys. Here is a military patch on a military personnel arm. It's, it's endless. The point is it's everywhere. The skull and crossbones is used in military all around the world. U.S. in addition to everybody else. Now, of course, they'll want to make that about QAnon and only certain U.S. military, but it's just a very common thing. But because they want to make it, they want to just blow out of proportion one thing that they can focus on while ignoring everyone. I mean, think about how stupid it is to focus on two patches while you have an entire military, right? Multiple outlet, multiple battalions and regiments and 
military parties or excuse me, political parties in Ukraine, all openly espousing neo-Nazi symbolism, neo-Nazi statements, neo-Nazi ideology. And that's all they can point at. Now here is Indy 100 pointing out nine white supremacist symbols that you should be aware of. And they link to this in that article. This is March 12th. Now here's what's funny, guys. First of all, there's some other symbols in here. This one's funny. I, I don't even, is that even, I think it's like a newer thing. That's, you know, the whole Keck thing. Like it's just, so I think that's just what they decide to make it out to be. Regardless, that's not the point. But uh, the, the point today <clears throat> is here's the one, the Valknot. And it simply says white supremacists have been known to use the symbol. But what you'll find when you do the research as I did, the Valknut is used in way, way more things not Nazi associated. So why you would assume that it's that way is completely self-serving because you want to. But we'll come back to Vanguard American. This just stood out to me when I was looking through this. And it's, it's one of the main groups right now, according to the ADL. <clears throat> this organization uses English versions of the Nazi phrase. And it's, it's a big Nazi group they're pointing at. And guess what I found? yet again tied directly back to the Azov Battalion. It's almost like this whole network has been created by the CIA, and it's all been, oh, almost like it, right? But the Confederate flag, which, again, is just it shows you the hollow nature of what they're using here. This is a battle flag of the Confederacy. Used, and by the way, the whole point of this is they pretend it was all about slavery. Anybody who has two brain cells and ability to research can look in to find out that the Civil War was not even really about slavery. It was one small part of the larger point. And it was, in fact, more about states' rights and the deviation therein. In one part, anyway. But the point is to make it only about slavery is a very self-serving agenda. As so, pretty much everything that our government does. But here is one of the most important. The sun wheel. Look at that. According to the ADL, this is another Norse symbol adopted by the Nazis and used to represent the Aryan Norse ideology. Okay. Now, same point. Same point. This could be used in other ways, as anybody honest would tell you. But when you have a group that is openly saying, we are this, we are this, we don't want, you know, we're having entire marches in, in support of Nazi symbolism and Nazi groups and Nazi leaders. And right, that's what these groups, they were talking about, the Azov Battalion. The Yaza Battalion, who literally uses that exact symbol in their symbol. So look, even if you want to pretend that, oh, that's not what it means. Ask yourself why the Newsweek wouldn't do that in the same way they did with this one. Is it the same point? Well, here's a symbol, Norse symbol, everything. Because they don't want to. It's as simple as that. That means they're not journalists. They're propaganda outlets. Well, here's the Yaza Battalion's main symbol. And it uses not only the wolf's uh, wolf's gang, or I forget the name of it now. This one here, the, the the one that's a variation of this of the Nazi symbol. Which, by the way, they say that's what it is. But of course, the Western press goes, "No, you're misunderstanding. That's not what it means." And blah blah blah. It is, and so too is this symbol, obviously, right? And you can go through these pictures for yourself and see all these examples of you know their Nazi youth groups and what they're openly doing and how they're training these people and they're standing up with their Nazi flags and you know. It's all fake news, though, because you're not supposed to look at that. Where is the Azov Battalion? Right on Wikipedia. Which never means it's actually true, remember, because Wikipedia is a joke, in my opinion, but it means it is mass adoption, right? This is what they want you to see. So as always, debunking from within their narrative. The Azov Special Operations Attachment, also known as the Azov Regiment, or as a battalion until September 2014, which it still is, by the way, you see what I mean? Like even that 
It's still called the Oslo Battalion. They still openly, they have their own Twitter pages and they have their own YouTube pages where it says Oslo Battalion. So it's just funny how they're desperately trying to hide that is a neo-Nazi unit of the National Guard of Ukraine based in Mariupol. So how is it possible that the Western press is saying they're not neo-Nazis, you conspiracy theorists, as they're listing it right there in plain English and based in Mariupol, which is exactly why they've destroyed that place and murdered lots of people and done terrible things, as they told you they would before this started. The battalion drew controversy over allegations of torture and war crimes. Right. And you can see the source links right there. You won't hear that from the Western press. They'll say you're crazy for pointing that out, as well as association with neo-Nazi ideology. Oh, they were heroes back in 2014, up until right after that, when they slowly started to build the narrative for why they were dangerous, because it was going to be used against you. And then that got destroyed. We pointed out the CIA built them. And then now we're just kind of lost in the middle. But they are very clearly dangerous, as even Senator Slotkin said to Blinken before this started, 2021 sent them a letter saying these people are terrorists. But yet then momentarily, moments later, they go, no, they were never like that. And they stopped them in 2014, right? I'd love to see you speak on that, Slotkin. How can they be terrorists and then seconds later be never that dangerous? But it says Azov uses controversial symbols, including the wolf's angel. That's what it is. Insignia used by the Nazi SS divisions. Okay, so how can it be used by them, but it's not what we think it is? That's what the Western press will tell you. Right? No, no, you just you misunderstand this obvious neo-Nazi symbol that's not used anywhere else other than this exact situation. But here, here are things we're not sure about that we can conflate because we want to. Here is an article from Triad City, The Lost Boys of Ukraine. How the war abroad beckoned America white supremacists. Now, here's my point. This is January 19th, 2020. Long past when they're claiming Azov stop being what you think they are. Except that you can find literally every one of them writing about how dangerous they are right before this. It's like they don't think you can look at their own coverage. My point is that it's not really about that. They don't care if you see if they care at projecting what they want you to think the, the, the mainstream narrative is. I don't think everybody even remotely buys this, but they're desperate to sell you that everyone's buying it and you're the only one that's not paying attention just like with COVID. Here's what it says. Of course, as always, as President Trump goes through a impeachment trial, it's all about framing it on Trump and conservative and the whole thing. Ultra-nationalist protest groups, instrumental in the toppling of Yanukovych's government, transformed overnight into volunteer battalions like right sector, Azov, and then rushed to the Eastern Front. Now, just wait how you hear them explain what they are in this article, right? This is literally telling you exactly in 2020 that these ultra-nationalist groups not only were involved in toppling his government, which is, by the way, not what they would tell you in the Western media conversation, but they transformed overnight and went right to the front line of Eastern. That's Donbass. So were they fighting for freedom or were they doing terrible things as ultra-nationalist extremist groups on Donbass? The, the, the truth is right in their own coverage, guys. They just don't want you looking at it today. Even Wikipedia cites Ukraine itself as claiming they killed 14,000 people in Donbass. It's right on the Wikipedia page. And it cites the Ukrainian government as saying we killed those people. And yet today it's fake news. I've never seen it this controlled and this clumsy. Right to the front line. The, the extremists. And of course, toppling the, the government, right? Because the idea... I mean, I, I think I, I'm going to play this again really quickly. Let's see. Um, we're at one hour, 12 minutes. Let me see where we are. Hmm. 
going a bit long. Let's see. I'm going to play this really quickly on that point. Ultra-nationalist protest groups. The Azov Italian extremists help tackle the government with the help of the U.S. government and the CIA. On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new, uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened. So that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers, they were, it was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. Now, what's really crazy to me is that's that's on the record, right? What's crazy to me is that kind of stuff does not get dismissed or like they don't go, here's why that's fake. They just, they just ignore it. Yet, so that's them on the record. That is, that is Estonia foreign minister, European parliament. They're, they're, they're discussing openly and agreeing that we know this was a U.S. backed entity who did this. And yet here we are. How is that possible? Right, because they'll simply dismiss this. If you show them my show, they're going to say, "Well, that guy's fake news," and so if it's on there, it must be fake news. It's out there, though. It's all there. They know it. They lied to you. They're covering it up. Period. Very simple. Why? Because they're building this, this narrative we're discussing today. Now it says Azov, in particular has leveraged its social capital by integrating into the Ukrainian National Guard, where it wields outsized influence in Ukraine's democratically elected government, which I very aggressively disagree with democratically elected, as the rest of the clip I was just playing goes on to point out how Victoria Newland, on the record, Victoria Newland is saying who's going to be in power. That's not how you democratically elect the government. That's how you put in place a puppet government, which is what it is. Regardless, the point is, as you will hear, even from Western Outlets that would say otherwise today. In 2020, they didn't marry Upol specifically. The Azov Battalion wielded outsized influence over the entire Ukraine government. That's still the way it is now. The emergence of Azov Battalion in right sector. And that's the other point of this, guys. How embarrassing it is that these people, it's like they only think that you know about Azov Battalion. Right? Just like with COVID, it's like, no, you're fake news. There's no such thing. There's no Nazis there. And then once it comes out, they go, okay, well, there are Nazis, but it's only the Azov Battalion in hopes that you just don't stumble into the other 14 groups, the right sector and Soboda and National Corps, all these either political parties or regiments or different groups that are openly neo-Nazi. And then once that maybe gets enough attention, they go, well, okay, well, here's why they're too, but that's not what you think. How can you do that? How can you not realize that they just lied? Was it not even there or is it there, but you misunderstand it? You can't say both things. They do it all the time. The emergence of the Azov Battalion and the right sector in Ukraine 
in 2014, electrified the neo-Nazi movement in the United States, Western Europe, and Australia, presenting a tangible model for how the far right could topple a government and wage a nationalist war to forge a new society in a predominantly white country. You see the building of this? They were trying to build on the Aza Battalion, the right sector, as if they were the ones collecting groups from around the world, and maybe that was how it was working, and growing an international entity. Now, why would they want that to be on the record when they know that there's evidence connecting them to Ukraine? Because it was built to be laid at the feet of Russia and the Russian government. And you, as the white supremacy vanilla ISIS threat that's working with those foreign powers. We've all seen this built in front of us right now. And you may believe it, but either way, how can you not see how they've been trying to piecemeal this together? It's been cobbled together for years now. And only in front of us right now is it falling apart in real time. Azov's relationship with the California-based neo-Nazi group Rise Above Movement, whose members visited Kiev to participate in mixed martial arts competition in April 2018, has previously been reported. Right, so the Rise Above Movement, the group that was in the, the Unite the Right rally, that, they, that literally became the impetus for the big threat of the neo-Nazis and the white supremacist problem, and it's directly tied to the Azov Battalion, which you know if you've already watched this show. I'll point to that link again in a minute, where they say, yes, that they are the international arm of the Aza Battalion in the United States. And yet we know the Aza Battalion is directly connected to the CIA, directly connected to Zelensky, directly connected to Kolomoisky. So how in the world is that even remotely connected to Russia or you? Spoiler alert, it's not. But they're sure as hell trying. The United States has backed the Ukraine in the has backed Ukraine in the war. And while a provision of the 2018 spending bill blocks U.S. arms from going to Azov, many an analyst believe it's impossible to enforce, considering that Azov is part of the Ukrainian government. Well, that's obviously true. That was my point from the beginning. That's how, that's how stupid that is. So you're going to give weapons to the government that then gives them to their entire military and pretend like that's not going directly to the Azov Battalion? But remember what we just said. This is an article in 2020, four years later, who still either doesn't care or doesn't know that they're wrong. This is the nation. Here, in fact, I'll just do this and show you the actual link. All these are in here for you to check out. Oh, that's weird. Is it the archive? I know I included it. Huh. Courthouse News. What? Did I not include that? That is strange. One second. I got to go add that then. That's the one of the most important ones. There it is. Well, here's the article anyway, and I'll include this for the show. How is it possible that the nation, and I, I think at least two other articles that I saw, are capable of doing the most bare, bare bones due diligence to find out that in 2016, Congress removed that ban? made sure they could fund it. Why? Under pressure from the Pentagon. They removed the ban that prevented funds from and, and arms from falling into the hands of the Aza Battalion specifically. They were named in that. So why is it, how is it even possible that we're staring at this where they're talking about it today and saying, well, they removed it. Or they mean that there was a ban and that's what it still went around it. How can they not know that? There must be an agenda here where people are, are being told not to point at it. Because it's, it's simple. You could literally type that in and it pops up. 
or they just didn't do any due diligence because they thought they already knew. But either way, they're wrong. And every one of them are wrong. And all the Western press keep citing that same lie, which is just what they do. But we're the fake news, right? As always. Along, Azov, along with his political wing, the National Corps, right? Again, what they don't, they pretend like that's not, it's the other way. The National Corps absorbed them and Azov is gone. No, guys. The National Corps is the Azov Battalion. That's the point. They became a political party. And the right sector, which is there just pretend isn't there, which is also very aggressively neo-Nazi, both promote a concept known as Reconquista. Recon, Reconquista. Reconquista. We'll call it that. A historic reference to Christians reclaiming control over present-day Spain from the Moors in 1400. While the Azov Battalion has been incorporated into the Ukrainian Ministry of Interior, right sector describes itself as a national liberation movement and operates outside the former control of the Ukrainian armed forces and police. So there's an interesting way to look at that. The Azov Battalion has, has infiltrated everything. They're part of the police force. They're part of the interior, the Ministry of Interior, the National Guard. They have a political party. I mean, if you can't see how they're completely immersed, then you're just lying to yourself. But on top of that, you've got the right sector, which is a different group, who apparently, of their own admission, are not even under the control of them, but they're operating with a large influence. None of this matters, according to all the great journalists out there, only pointing at hypothetical symbols on one Russian person. In a July 2015 interview on the Azov podcast, Olina Semenkia, a spokesperson for the National Corps, which is the Azov Battalion's political party, made a direct connection between Reconquista and the concept of loss, not just a, of Ukrainian sovereignty, but also of Europe as a whole. So this whole idea is that this is not just about Ukraine, guys, not just about the Donbass. It's about all of this. They have in their minds designs to take back this territory. Is that what you want if you're standing with Ukraine? Is that what you think you're supporting? Now, remember, Olina Semenkia, as we pointed out. Where was that? Here we go. Oh, uh, whoops. Let me make sure I don't lose this. I want to give you guys the full thread here. So here's the FBI document, which is linked in there, where it's telling you the rise above movement members listed right there met with her and took their trip to Germany, Ukraine, and Italy. Each one of those locations is a primary international group from the Azov Battalion, and they met with Olina Semenkia. That's your direct connection to the Rise Above move, uh, movement, to the Unite the Right. I mean, they instigated this stuff, guys, and that directly ties back to the CIA, as we've shown before, where they are documented as being there, arming, funding, growing this long before this started. And this is one of the experts speaking on the international arm, saying the movement has gone international. Germany, Italy, America. Weird, weird, the correlation, right? The point is the FBI is well aware. And here she is again. And the point is in 2015, and this is before that, direct connection. Uh, here's the point. It says, we understand the development of the modern world, oh, Semenkia says, and we want to change it. Quote, we try to reconstruct the problem of this European decline, so to speak, and we want to start a revolt against it. Reconquista, revolt, revolution. Of course, all of them are homo uh, homo uh, homological concepts, which are quite understandable to European right-wingers and other educated persons. So she's literally addressing specifically right-wingers, and yet 
you, they are arguing as if that's not really what they are. Now, right wing doesn't have to be negative in the context of the broad conversation, but of course, that's how they're framing it today. And yet here she is pointing at that. Like that's not supposed to add up for what they're saying they really are now. It says, quote, and we talk about a space of Eastern Europe and the whole Ukraine, which undergoes revolution and now becomes a vanguard of this reconquista. That means the beginning. What they're doing there is the beginning of the larger plan. From this space, Eastern Europe, it will expand to the Western Europe, European, and the whole world. Because, of course, everything is connected. So you stand with Ukraine means you stand with their agenda to build this across the country, across the continent, across the world. So as you pretend you're fighting neo-Nazis, you are literally supporting the growth of a neo-Nazi movement around the world. That's how ignorant you are if you think you're supporting fighting for freedom right now, standing with Ukraine. And that's not meant to, in, in, I mean, there's just like with Israel, you can point out a large portion of the population that's completely taken by the Zionist manipulation. But that does not mean that every Israeli thinks that way. And same with Ukraine. Plenty, and I think the majority of Ukrainian people don't believe with this garbage, believe this garbage. But there are plenty of them, as you can see, and, you know, showing images of sports games where everybody's given the Nazi salute, right? There's clearly a huge influence in this country that's been built by the U.S. government. Now, it says we defend not only the Ukrainian nation, national identity, but also the Slavic element, the European element. In the end, the white race. That is the leader of the national core, the group that you're supporting right now in Ukraine. The release, the recent release of the contents of the defunct Iron March website, a global forum for neo-Nazis. I mean, what's funny is when they say this kind of stuff, I always go like, well, maybe it is. Like for all we know, it could just literally be like a conservative outlet where some people say things. They go, that's all them like that. It's like Reddit is all Nazis, right? All everybody on Gab is all Nazis. It's just, it's childish and reductive and it's not the reality. But nonetheless, they're saying this website is a global forum, which it might be for neo-Nazis that operated from 2011 to 2017, provides further insight into how Azov and right sector energized neo-Nazis around the world, including the United States. In 2020, they're arguing that, the, that Azov specifically energized neo-Nazis around the world. And, and a little more than a year later, all fake news. That they're not the ones doing it, it's Russia. How can you possibly connect these narratives? How can you, the, at the very least, you have to say that one time at one side of this, they were wrong. That they said this and it were wrong. Right? I mean, they're either building this national problem or they're not. I mean, it's just as simple as that. But here, one year later, they're apparently not what you think they are. And it's complete fake news. And they're fighting for freedom. And they're a little bit dangerous. And they have roots in history like that. But it's not today. Except it was like 30 seconds ago. And we were writing about it then. They, I mean, they, this is, I, I say this often, but I think this is how dumb they think we are. Quote, we need something that appeals to American history, to a sense of shared radical racial identity, but also to our mission and future goals. An anonymous user wrote on Iron March 2015. So again, maybe it was FBI. You see what I mean? Like why we would think that that's just the way. I mean, it's so simple to manipulate this stuff because they take at face value what they want to be the reality. Right? If they think this site's white supremacist, they'll just go, well, they must be because he said that. That's not journalism. Using language strikingly close to that of American vanguard. And there it is. So now you have this connection there. A neo-Nazi group established in California in 2016. Same time frame, same location, same groupings. This is exactly what we talked about. The Rise Above Movement, the Aza Battalion. I think we can take inspiration from right sector in this regard. I like their 
motto of European Reconquista, Reconquista. It appeals to the shared past of Europe and shared identity and outlines their mission to carry out the work of European uh, Christendom to drive out the foreign invaders. This, just so we're clear, we're still pointing at the group they're, they're, you're standing with right now. Back when they were still pointing at the reality. Because they were going to lay it at the feet of somebody else. Wouldn't, uh, right here, American Vanguard changed its name to Vanguard America in early 2017. During the August 12th, 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Look at that. A man named James Fields carried a Vanguard American shield and then re rammed his car into a group of anti-racist marchers. So the guy who literally ran over Heather, and the, Heather Heyer was her name, it looks like, the big story that became the big conversation, again, the impetus for the whole push for why there's a big white supremacy problem in this country. Turns out he was part of a group that was part of the, the, the rally that was completely pushed. And the Charlottesville Rise Above movement was the focal point drive directed, connected back to the Aza Battalion. And again, it just happens to be one of the groups they're focusing on as one of the biggest problems. Where was that link? Anyway, right here. Like, what's funny is this whole article is about symbols, and yet then they just go, but there's this whole group. <laughs> this whole group is a problem. Because it's not saying a symbol, it's just saying they're, they're in general. Why would that be? And they're directly tied back to the most suspect event that was clearly created. He's the one who waved that flag that drove into this person. In the weeks following the public relations black eye, a Dallas native named Thomas Rousseau seized control of the organization and rebranded it as Patriot Front. Perfect. So this whole, the whole the Patriot concept is just meant to be pointed at the conservatives. In a January 2018 discussion of the Front and Center Channel, a forum for Patriot Front, or what was which was American Vanguard, which is directly tied to all this now, uh, the leader of the Patriot Front, this Thomas Rousseau, outlined a vision of American society breaking down through a corrosion of trust in democratic institutions. Which, by the way, is literally what's happening, not necessarily the, the uh, breaking down of society, which is what they seem to be driving at so they can rebuild it, of course, where they're going. But it's funny how you can frame the idea of this conservatives that recognize the corrosion of the democratic institutions, if that's even what they are. And we all see it, but yet when they point at it, because they want to overthrow the government because they're terrorists. We're just such children in the two-party paradigm. The chants were part of a massive leak published by Unicorn Riot, a decentralized media collective. So all of this connects back. The territory map of the balkanization, or whatever you would call it, is going to look a lot like the electoral one, Rousseau wrote. The United States as a government won't survive not as we know it. It's all about creating this push of the 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 impression that this is this is an all-out revolution movement to white supremacy going to overthrow the government. That's what January 6th was supposed to be, and they clumsily broke that. It was really clumsy. I guess I mean I actually think they thought those people would do more. Right? They they just like with Ukraine, they obviously made that happen. Clearly. And as they meander through taking pictures and laughing and talking with police, no, you know, whatever. By and large, anyway. I think they genuinely thought those people would do more, take more action. In the same way, they want you to think it's all about this, and oh, it's Russia that's doing it all. Democracy is destined to fail, they say. Russo argued, providing an opening for white supremacists to seize power. Okay, so this one guy with this one group that texts back, I mean, it's, it's so, there's nothing about this that really in, in, in signifi that, that signifies what they painted as. 
Could be, sure. These people exist all around the world. The first inkling of a Ukraine's conflict role, conflict's role in fueling transnational white supremacy. So now we're tying the Ukraine. Kind of out of nowhere, by the way. So it's like, there's this all building around the world. I mean, look at where this started. Oh, excuse me. Well, this, I was thinking of the other article. Anyway, so this is focused on Ukraine. But the point is about the groups within Ukraine. We'll get to the next one after this. But saying the first inkling of Ukraine's conflict's role in that transnational white supremacy came to many observers through reports that showed Brenton Tarrant, who live-streamed his massacre of 51 worshipers at two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand, in March 2019, wearing the Black Sun symbol, which is incorporated into Azov's insignia on his jacket. Tarrant indicated in his manifesto that he had visited Ukraine. Of course, Azov Battalion says, no, not true. I don't know why we believe them. So this guy goes to Ukraine, he says, wears the symbol of them on his arm and carries out this massacre. And that's supposed to be a threat of not the CIA created problem that they tie back to, but you guys being white supremacists as a whole, if you're conservative, if you're white, if you're in this country or whatever, the broad, flimsy, whoever we say, whenever kind of idea they're building. It's just, it's incredible how we're choosing to omit all of the most important parts that clearly tie this back to, at least in addition to what they're saying, the CIA, the grouping, the, the, I mean, the agenda around all of this. But I, I actually genuinely think that what part they're building is not even remotely true. The Iron March leaks reveal that from July through September 2015, Several members of the forum communicated with an individual who represented themselves as an emissary of Azov. So these people spoke to the Azov Italian. And in February 2015, a user named Palmer referred a prospective recruit from Europe to Semenkia, the leader of the National Corps, writing, quote, she's the person I was coordinating with. So this person is setting up other white supremacy groups with a connection to the Azov Italian in Ukraine. From 2015 forward, that's when the CIA entered the field. I mean, well, post-regime change. And we can't see the connection here? It's all about Russia and white supremacy in the United States? That's a choice not to see that. One of the Iron March users who reached out to the Azov through the forum was Brandon Russell, a Florida Army National Guard member who founded the neo-Nazi group Autumn Waffen Division, which they also use to point that as a problem in this country. Every single one of these groups can be tied back to the Azov Battalion. That's the point, guys. This is being constructed. That does not mean these people don't believe this stuff, right? That's the kind of way they play this game. Well, oh, he said it's fake. Here's proof of Nazis. Yeah, because I said it's fake doesn't mean they're not real. And that may sound confusing. The point is that you can fake something using real people, right? You can kill people and blame it on somebody else. That means it's an illusion. In this case, we're talking about people that, in some cases, very clearly believe these extremist, disgusting ideologies. But whether or not they're being threaded together by a CIA hand is the point. And that matters. And then they're going to blame it on who they want to. Autumn Waffen is linked to five murders and requires prospective members to read Siege, a book by neo-Nazi James Masson, that promotes the idea called uh, accelerationism. The group's propaganda utilizes shocking rhetoric and glory visuals, gory visuals, to call for societal breakdown through escalating violence. In addition to the Third Reich, members glorify Charles Manson and claim to practice Satanism. That's all over the map, isn't it? So all of this is linked back to the Azov Battalion. 
at the very least to be influenced, which I think it's much more than that. In August 2016, Kent McLean, a, a Florida man whose Iron March profile described him as a skinhead, ongoing 16 years, politician and military fascist, mil militarist, militarist fascist, that's a weird term, messaged the forum's founder, a Russian man named Alexander Slavros. So the point is, so now the, the founder, it's, what you'll find when we get into the base next, they all, you always find these weird the connections back to like a Russian person or a Russian, right? And you could argue that means that Russia's building all of this. Certainly possible. Except how you can very clearly see the CIA fingerprints all over the Azov Battalion, which all of these then connect to. So why would it make sense that the Azov Battalion, who's being funded and armed and controlled and pushed by the CIA, would then reach out and connect with these Russian leaders? Well, that would make sense if they're trying to frame Russia, wouldn't it? So I'm, it, both are possible. It's up to you to decide. My point is assuming because you like a certain side is not the right thing to do. I think that goes without saying. But it says attempting to smooth over a controversy among members concerning the Ukraine conflict, McClellan claimed that he was a former leader of a misanthropic division in the United States, adding, quote, I still work closely with the DUK on foreign recruitment and such. Needless to say, not too many people get through. DUK likely refers to Ukrainian Volunteer Corps, right sector, the military wing of the right sector, known by its Ukrainian initials as DUKPS. So here's a guy who there are there's the, the leader being a found the Russian guy, he is working with the Ukrainian government. So even right there, let's say it's being driven by Russia. Why would the Ukrainian government be working with a guy that's I mean, it just does none of that adds up at all. And again, the main point should be just because someone's Russian doesn't mean they're necessarily Russian government. We've seen that endlessly throughout this whole Russia scare, Russia gate, and the whole damn thing. Or how about just sanctioning Russian oligarchs because their government? No, maybe, possibly, but we don't need evidence to do anything anymore, right? Russia, therefore, bad. But they'll happily make that abstract connection just because someone even has a Russian name. Now it says. He shared misanthropic division posts multiple times on account VK. See my point? A Russian social media platform. Okay, well, so, so there's all these connections to Azov and the CIA, but because he posted on VK, well, he mu it must be Russia. That's not, that's a, a choice, guys, to make that look a certain way, in my opinion. Okay, last couple points on this one. Mikhail Skillet, a former neo-Nazi from Sweden who fought with Azov and now runs a global security consulting firm told CP, uh, TCB that if the United States tries to extradite Lang, Andrew Lang, we've talked about before, there'll be repercussions in Ukraine. Now, I already made this point, guys. They pretend they were going after this, Ukraine, this guy, Andrew Lang, because he's a terrorist. And that was back before we pointed out CIA roots to all of this. This was them building the beginnings of the, the white supremacy threat that stemmed from what they were going to claim was Russia. But they said, we're going after this guy. We're going to extradite him and then didn't do it. And he's still in Ukraine, lives with his family right now. Easy to look up. So do they care about this? He's an American. You said he's a war criminal. You're out to get do something about it. Well, the problem is that the Ukraine build that they're making don't like that. They support him. And they told you, if you're going to do that, you're going to have problems. So you they didn't do it. Pretty simple. You can't disrupt what you're building by arresting one person, right? Oh, I think I went to the next one on this. Let me see if there's anything else. A long article. 
any case, the point in this, make sure I didn't miss something there. Yeah, okay, I thought so. The point in this is to recognize how clearly these people are on the record exactly what we're talking about and how they were really desperate before all this, right up until 2021, to sort of frame this as a problem that we weren't sure where it was coming from it by kind of quietly putting undertones of Russia until suddenly they had to say the opposite. Now, Whitney and I talked about this specifically, the base, which we're talking about next, in this discussion, so please check it out. January 6th, Azov Battalion and the war on you. Sort of the same kind of point today. Now, here is another connection. This is what Whitney was pointing out. You'll find that the base is another connection back to the whole thing. Now, this, I think, is one of the main parts that's meant to tie back to Russia and meant to tie back to everything else. Now, this person's name is Ronaldo Nazaro, the founder of what, they're, what, they, what is being called a white supremacist group called The Base. Now, it says, originally from New Jersey, Nazaro ran a security company in the United States that claimed expertise in intelligence, counterterrorism, counterinsurgency, and psychological operations. Now, remember that. Because you're going to have connections where this guy ends up going to uh, like symposiums around the world, in one case, Russia. And because it was Russia and Russian government connected and he was allowed there, therefore, they're all white supremacists, right? I'm not even making that up. This guy has credentials for being a, an expert in these fields. And so he goes to a group of this and you'll see how they paint this. It's cr- and it certainly could mean that. They love ab- abstractly connecting things that don't make sense. My point is this guy has a huge background. Not just that. Guess what? The United States Department of Homeland Security, the DHS, confirmed that he worked for them in 2004, 2006. Think about that. So this guy who's leading what's, what is building to be the one focal point of the neo-Nazi problem that's happening in the United States used to work for the Department of Homeland Security. Why would we not ask whether this is a complete operation? In 2014, Nazaro reportedly worked with U.S. forces in the Middle East on counterterrorism measures. According to the media reports, Nazaro had top-secret clearance, seriously, and was among a group that briefed special forces officers in the Middle East on military targeting and counterterrorism efforts. In 2012, Nazaro married a Russian woman. Well, there it is. Must be Russia, then. Must be Russians doing it. Then, he and his wife moved to St. Petersburg, Russia. Right. So you see, you see what I'm saying? Like, so this could be somebody who used to work for the U.S. recognizing that he's a white supremacist and that Russia's where to go and move to Russia because Russia's all about white supremacy, right? That certainly could be the reality. I don't see anything to indicate that. Or it could be that this guy is a spy or a intelligence officer who is coordinate conducting an operation to build what every other part of this information points to. A false illusion of a white supremacy domestic terrorism threat that's been built by the cia that's my opinion you need to decide for yourself what makes more sense i don't know why in the world you wouldn't consider that since this guy worked for the government but the point is that he moved to russia so therefore you're wrong he's a spy right or or therefore works for russia is the kind of idea i would argue if you were a spy you were a intelligence officer and your and your agenda was to create the threat and blame it on russia well moving to russia and marrying a russian woman would be perfect for you It'd be exactly what the doctor ordered, wouldn't it? After Nazaro posted letters online, allegedly from DHS and the Pentagon thanking him for his service, the DHS confirmed he worked for them, but wouldn't authenticate the letter. (laughs) Why does it make sense? 
He worked for you for crying out loud. So you're going to dispute whether you thanked him for his service. I mean, come on, that's just dumb. According to Nazaro, he did not develop his white, his white nationalist. See, that's what they always make it. White nationalism. Cause they want to conflate nationalists with white nationalists, which is really white supremacy. Not the same thing. White nationalist beliefs. So he didn't develop those beliefs until the end of his national security career, which led him to quit the field. He claimed he was, quote, genuinely patriotic previously until I saw the light. I mean, what's really funny about that, in my opinion, almost completely exposes what they are. That's just my opinion. So you're saying you're no longer patriotic? Doesn't that inherently undermine the very idea of a white nationalist? I mean, God, these people are pathetic and really bad at this. I mean, think about that. If he would be, in his mind, the epitome of patriotism, just like the other nationalists or white supremacists, like this is the same point, guys. They point to conservatives that aren't necessarily that as they scream about how we want to, we're patriots, right? And they call that supremacy. Yet this guy goes, no, 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 I didn't become that until I left the field, which is an easy way to be like, it wasn't the government, they didn't do it. And claimed he, I was, genuinely patriotic until I saw the light. So why would you still think it was patriotic to believe in something you don't believe in anymore? And why is it only us capable of pointing out how comically stupid these, 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 these comparisons are, right? Am I crazy? You don't, you're not genuine. A person who is a white nationalist would think they were patriotic and also wouldn't at retro at wouldn't point back at what they used to think and call that patriotic. Cause that's a positive thing. You'd point back at that and be like, I was misguided. I believe in that kind. I don't anymore. Please tell me you guys see that. Cause I think that's so obvious. So bottom line is this guy is painting and making up the stage to be, well, it was only after I left. And now I see the light about why this needs, why the U S government and that kind of patriotism needs to be stopped. This guy is damn. This guy is a puppet, man. I'm telling you, that's my gut. Think for yourselves. Now here is the base. The group that he created after he saw the light and was no longer patriotic, apparently, despite being a nationalist. Well, make sure you understand what this actually stands for. This is what Whitney pointed out. This is the actual translations, just so we're not confused about this. Literally translates to Al-Qaeda. Look at that. The base in Arabic stands for Al-Qaeda. It's like, they, it's like they want you to see this. I mean, think about how crazy it is that we can actually make the argument that this is Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda, and then this all comes out, or specifically the, the, the narrative begins to be pieced together, where the very group that's called themselves Al-Qaeda is the white supremacist threat that's being built that they're going to frame on you that's literally tied back to these groups. I mean, this, you just... I hate even saying that phrase because you can make this up, but you just can't make this stuff up. It's just so ridiculous. But here is the group they're talking about. The base is a neo-Nazi white supremacist network that describes itself as an international survivalist and self-defense network that seeks to train their members for fighting a race war. Now, that's actually not what they say. So I love how they say that. That's not what they say, really. It's about their, they, I, I do think that's what they're, they are. I do think this is a construct being built to frame to you know by the CIA and other U.S. government entities. But the point is, when they say on the surface, they go, "No, no, no, we're just about defense and, and survivalists." The base is an accelerationist group. There's that term. Interesting how that overlaps, right? That encourages the onset 
on and the onset on anarchy, which is a really d- clumsy way to say that. So it can then impose order from chaos. What an interesting sentence. Okay. The group encourages anarchy. Anybody that actually believed in what they're doing understands that anarchy is not what that that is a U.S. government manipulation of the word. Because they're talking about chaos. I mean, you could simply look up the word. Anarchy does not mean chaos. That's a gross misrepresentation. Anarchy means no rulers, not no rules. I've done entire discussions on this. You know why I believe strongly that they are so aggressively against the term and and the understanding of anarchy? Well, guess what, guys? It's the only ideology that doesn't have a place for leaders. Uh, Gee, I wonder why they don't like it. Now, you may not be able to grasp how a society with no leaders could operate. Different conversation. And I could sit here and talk to you for hours on end about how that could potentially work and how it will be very difficult to institute today because we've been engineered and propagandized for decades about why that's not who will build the roads, you know, this kind of stuff, right? Different conversation. I could go off on it forever. My point nonetheless, though, anarchy is not chaos. So when they frame it as such, it's obviously a government manipulation, especially for people that understand what that means. You'd understand, I mean, really, a lot of these extremist groups are, are understand the concept of anarchy. That's the point. Not because it's necessarily an extremist ideology. That don't, don't make sure you don't conflate that. But the main thing to me, so it can then be in, so it can then impose order from chaos? Really? You know where that comes from? The order from chaos, guys? That is like directly from the I mean, from a lot of different discussions here, whether we're talking about the Great Reset, whether we're talking about the or the the uh uh, specifically, hold on, let me do this. The New World Order in general, but I want, there's basically this, let's do this. This is a specific, the order from chaos concept is a constant, constant theme from the U.S. From a lot of their symbolism, from a lot of the discussions, from a lot of their think tanks. Right, but bottom line is, and nothing. There's you can all maybe I'll include this. You guys can read it. a lot of the books they're referencing is what it gets into. But it really comes back to the whole Great Reset, New World Order conversation. It's about destroying everything to rebuild it the way that they want. Order from that's the very concept, historical concept of the New World Order push. So the fact that they're then framing this as that, it's very obvious to me. Now this group is a key central part of what's happening. You're going to see this more and more and more. Unless we successfully push back enough where they just give up on it. Here it is, again, January 24th, 2020. So in the beginning of 2020, they were already starting to build this. Neo-Nazi Ronaldo Nazaro running U.S. militant group, the base, from Russia. Now, despite the fact that literally everything else other than being in Russia and marrying a Russian woman indicates everybody, the CIA, the U.S. government, I mean, everything. Despite all of that, this is the main push, that it's from Russia. That's what it's all really about. You see what I mean? Using the same symbols. You're going to find this all over Ukraine military right now. They're not going to point at it now because they're they're going a different direction right now. But just before this, it was all about, oh, these groups, well, therefore, the symbol, therefore, they're bad. Funny how they don't do that now with the Azov Battalion. Anyway, the point is this is a narrative they've been building. Here's another one. Washington Post, as of March 14th, 2022. 
perspective. Neo-Nazis are exploiting Russia's war in Ukraine for their own purposes. This is about creating the, the, the air in the conversation to where they can put, they can slightly move this over. Right. So what they built so far, right. So 2021, even 2022, there were conversations about how dangerous this group was like really dangerous because they are. Then suddenly the narrative fell apart and they aggressively went the other direction. First, it was you're, you're wrong. There's no such thing. Then like a, the next day it was like, well, they're neo-Nazis, but here's what Putin's lying about it. Right. So they opened this door and they, they, then it became, well, yes, they were bad, but it was a long time ago. Right. Back into, which again, my point in the earlier, the show was, well, they lied then because they did by saying it wasn't true. And the next day going, well, it is, but here's why I wrote and They just don't want to point at it. But then they go, well, it was 2014. They've changed since then, right? The National Guard took over. Now they're no longer there. It's a lie, obviously. So that opened this the air in this conversation for them to do this. The group that's not really there, but they still have influence, are exploiting the war for their own purposes. So re, you can look into it for yourself. They're just laying the groundwork for, in my opinion, what becomes Russia stepped in because they are in Ukraine now, right? And they helped this. They they aligned with this group because Russia, Nazis, right? And then they start, they suddenly side with Russia. And then it becomes secretly, it becomes exposed that the whole time Russia's been the one pushing the neo-Nazis, the Azov Italian and whatever else. I'm just theorizing. My point is simply that I can see this building and this opens that door for why you can argue, well, they're exploiting this. Like this kind of goes again. If Azov Italian are heroes defending Marupol, how are they simultaneously exploiting this for their own purposes? You see what I mean? This is quiet. This and this does it gets way less engagement than everything else they're talking about. Because it kind of goes against what they're saying, doesn't it? But it's there. So then when they point back and they go, well, there it was. They were always on the side of Russia. Just my thoughts. And you know what? My thoughts have lately turned out to be pretty solid. It's <laughs> just not to pat myself on the back, or I guess to, to literally pat myself on the back. The point is that that's been happening. Right, we are just theorizing based on what's in front of us, and I'm telling you guys, it keeps happening. Doesn't mean I'm gonna, I'm always right, but things like this seem to suggest quite the obvious. Neo-Nazi terror group, the base, linked to the war in Ukraine. Well, look at that. A 20-year-old American went from inside a neo-Nazi group secret chat room to traveling to Ukraine looking for war. This is February 6, 2020. It says. After a string of sweeping indictments and arrests, court documents have illustrated how the neo-Nazi terror group, the base, discussed derailing trains and plotting the assassinations of anti-fascist activists in the United States. But the group also had international ambitions. The base and its leader wanted to form concrete links between Ukrainian ultra-nationalist military units and the global neo-Nazi movement. Do you realize what that says? This group, that the leader is just moments away from being involved in the DHS, right? He's just saw the light apparently and left. And this guy has top secret clearance because that all makes sense, right? Just let him go. And then goes and, and makes it wants and wants to make links between this group that the CIA built and the global movement. Now, sure, that just let's just pretend that could be organic. Let's think of the other alternative though. That this is an operation and he was put out to set out to make this, to build this, to be the driving force but what to, between what created the connection between Russia 
and the Azov Battalion. I mean, it's right in plain English right there. They wanted to connect with them. Why would that make sense to anybody, especially at a time when we know now that that's built directly tied to the CIA? 20-year-old Virginia native Matthew Ryan Birchfield, who was affiliated with the base, went to Ukraine in the fall of 2019, seeking to join the conflict in Donbass. Right, the very group we just showed you, they were moments ago saying the ultra-nationalist extremist group went right to the front line, whereas now they're going, well, the freedom fighters went to the front line to fight for freedom. The same groups, the same outlets now saying the same thing, but totally are, are not the same thing covering the same topic while saying something completely different and still pretending like they're honest journalists fighting for it's just so stupid they went to donbass my point is he, in highlighting that is that they went there as extremists and then we then we dispute whether they hurt people like how can you argue they're disgusting extremists that have these terrible ideologies about one people one group of people being less than the other and carrying out violent terrorist acts and then when i say well they hurt people in donbass you go oh fake news you're a Russian shill. How do you make sense of that? And it says, social media, his own admission confirmed this. Goes on to say, it also, it's also yet more evidence that terrorist, terrorism analysts are right to be concerned that the war in Ukraine is becoming an international insurgent hotbed, except now today they're all freedom fighters. You see what I mean? How can you in 20, or this was 2020, 2020, you're discussing that very location as an international insurgent hotbed. And then the next year, if they stopped that in 2014, didn't you know, you dumb conspiracy theorist? Oops. Drawing its members of American neo-Nazi groups like the base. Look at that. This is Vice, of course, because Vice has been a central role in sowing this narrative. In much the same way jihadist organizations like ISIS and Al-Qaeda, which is what the base stands for, have exploited wars in Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan to transform their extremist movements into violent global insurrectionists, insurrections against world governments. Ukraine is serving as a training ground for the extremist right. How perfect is that? Exactly what Whitney and I are pointing out. And exactly, by the way, what other CIA members have pointed out, what we learned our lessons in Ukraine and, our, excuse me, in Afghanistan and Iraq. We now know how to create insurgency, like create insurgency. It's not an insurgency until you get invaded and occupied. You're no longer in control. So that's technically not even happening yet. But yet they're still and have been from the board even started framing this as a revolution, as an insurgency, because there's been a narrative that's been sown since 2015. And it's been really clumsy. So the same way these ISIS and Al-Qaeda groups, which, by the way, are completely tied back to the same CIA, same government, same DHS, same groups as they fly them back and forth, as Ben Swan's documentary about where they even came from, the U.S. government created these groups. You shouldn't be afraid of pointing this out, guys. The evidence is undeniable. If you're afraid of saying that, it's because you have a political agenda. Even Saudi Arabia admitted that they did this and lost control of it. But the point is that they became these global movements, which did what? Justified their global war on terror. That's exactly what's happening right now, but for domestic terror. They're building what they're going to use to carry out their ongoing, never-ending domestic terror war on you. And, and continuing the war on terror outside there forever. It's the same thing. Same thing. And by the way, the war on terror was always aimed at you anyway. Foreign travelers have already gotten involved in the nearly six-year-old conflict by joining Ukraine's military like 
the Aza Battalion, and the right sector, which they seemingly just forgot about today. Both organizations have known ties to an international network of neo-Nazis and active positions on the front lines of the war in eastern Ukraine. Right. How can that exist in 2020, but 2021 is fake news? They were neo-Nazi extremist groups on the front line, ethnically cleansing the Donbass people. It's pretty disgusting how they're hiding this from everybody. Butchfield confirmed to Vice over Instagram direct messages that he traveled to Ukraine intending to fight Russian separatists in the front line. So he travels to fight Russian separatists, but we're going to pretend that this is all spurred on by Russia. See how clumsy this is? It doesn't make sense if you just look at it. His display picture on the site is a photo of nationalist lion statue in Lviv, Ukraine, a symbol some claim is linked to the uh, Galatian division of the of, of SS death squads which is a symbol, it's a big statue in Ukraine, right? So it's just like this idea that it's not, they haven't been doing this for years now. He denounced the leader of the base. This person did. Known, basically it was this person we're talking about. His name is Ronaldo Nazaro. He denounced him. After a recent story in The Guardian exposed, or basically uh, currently believed, uh, oh, it's right here. So basically believed to be based in Russia, which it's not based in Russia. The guy lives in Russia. It's pretty clear that it's not the, the base. It, it, the idea of where it actually is, is not in Russia. And that's easy. It's clear by what this person says next. He says, quote, I, this, and this is what's funny. They're trying to frame this as this pro, this Russian, pro-Russian, anti, I don't know, Ukraine or just anti anybody else around the world. Except this is what the guy says. I do not support any group of people rooted in the dictatorial regime of the Russian Federation. Things like that just get ignored. How can that be possible if one of the key people in this group openly speaks out against the other guy, the guy tied back to the U.S. government, because he moved to Russia? Because they'll ignore that when it comes down to it. They're going to go, he's in Russia, therefore Russia. And they won't point at how the group points at that guy and says, that's not right. That's not what we believe. While Spears never publicly discusses his group's connection to the war in Ukraine, he appeared on a neo-Nazi podcast in 2018 with an American believed to be connected to the Aza Battalion and who encourages neo-Nazis to join the war in Ukraine. In the podcast, along with other topics, Spear and the host debate neo-Nazis undertaking lone wolf terrorist attacks. So the real tie is obviously to the Aza Battalion, the CIA, and the U.S. government. And that was an attempt to make it look like it was Russia. I mean, this couldn't be more clear. My opinion. In the, in the conflict in eastern Ukraine, is this is so crazy to me. This is Vice News in 2020. The conflict in Ukraine, Eastern Ukraine, so Donbass, is to the white supremacists what Afghanistan was to the Salafi jihadists in the 80s and 90s. Quote, remember Al-Qaeda, for which the English translation is the base, was born out of the conflict in Afghanistan. So if Eastern Ukraine was catnip to white supremacists, at least that's what Vice is saying, in 2020, why are we even debating that they were there carrying out atrocities against the Donbass people? Because the agenda has lost control. They're all over the place with this agenda. So now they're trying to make it out to be Azov good, simultaneously bad. I don't even know if they know where they're going. But this is how disgustingly obvious it is. Just like COVID-19. They're losing control. I, I don't know how else to frame this. Next. Here is the vice or vice in October. So February 2020. Now this is October 2020. And they just go at it again. 
neo-Nazi terror group, the base, discussed training pipeline to Ukraine war. So as the other groups are going now, we don't believe he doesn't. He's we denounce him because he's in Russia. Hey, just keep going. Right. Part of a pipeline to Ukraine war. Vice News obtained a leaked phone call in which the leader. So the one person discusses how conflict in Ukraine could benefit the group. Well, without knowing the CIA tie, this could very well point at Russia. Right. Except for the fact that all they're pointing at is the one person acting like he represents the whole group, even though other people in his group have denounced him because he's in Russia. See how that works. But the leader of the base, a U.S.-based neo-Nazi terror group, once discussed using the war in Ukraine as a training ground for his organization. Vice News obtained a leaked phone call with the head of the base, revealed to be Nazaro, and other leaders of the terror group discussing how the conflict in Donbass could aid them in professionalizing the organization and military training. Yet again, another example of how these open extremists are using Donbass for their own purposes. This is mainstream pro. Vice is mainstream, guys. Vice is corporate. My point is that they're openly telling you they were there using them, attacking them, involved in it, while saying how dangerous they were, but we can't acknowledge that they did bad things there. The best way to make use of Ukraine, it says, said Navarro, this is 2019, referring to the ongoing war that has lasted more than now over eight years, claimed more than 13,000 lives, which we know, in is you, it's funny how they, look, you know, it's funny. They can say this then, but the device will call it fake news today. Is use is use it as a resource for our guys who have the ability to travel out there for training to do it because they can come back and they can bring that knowledge back to us. The base's discussion of the war in Ukraine as a training platform and part of their ultimate goal of race war is the U.S. in the U.S. is evidence of what many terrorism analysts have been long fearing about the conflict. So long fearing. Terrorism analysts have been long fearing that this will be used to build the international problem. Then all of a sudden, we point out the CIA connection, and now we're going, oh, well, no, that was a long time ago. That was 2014. We, we literally didn't just say that we all see it building, and we all know it's coming, and we all, no, no, now, now it, it was over then. It was there, there a long time ago. That is That it is becoming an insurgent hotbed for neo-Nazism. In much the same way jihadist groups like ISIS and Al-Qaeda have exploited the wars in Syria and Afghanistan and Iraq to transform their movements into global organizations. They were really laying this groundwork up until they lost control of the narrative. Responding from a personal encrypted email he has used to correspond with Vice, which is really ridiculous, by the way, that Vice just has this connect, direct connection to the one guy that they're used to frame Russia, right? You'll, you'll keep noticing this. They have the whole article. They just are inside, they're watching the chat, they're listening to the guys talk, they're using... Somehow Vice just has an inside discussion with these groups. I wonder why. Now he denied that he had any intentions of using the Ukraine war to create this. He said, quote, no, I didn't intend to create a training pipeline. I was never interested in doing so. I've turned down the offer to establish a cell there. Did you hear that? He just said, I turned down the offer to establish a cell there. So you could take that for how you will. The point is, who exactly was contacting this guy in Russia and saying, hey, hey, come build a terrorism cell here in Ukraine? Why is that not alarming? Now, did he, whether he turned it down or not is sort of irrelevant because clearly he is a central part of this. The point is that there is an effort to make this the case. And he just simply goes, in my opinion, training in the U.S. is better. 
Last week, BuzzFeed News broke the story that two Americans linked to neo-Nazism had been deported from Ukraine on charges that they were attempting to join one of the nation's far-right military units. Think about what they just said there, too. These Americans were deported for doing right now what everybody's being allowed to do. Make sense of that. Ukraine intelligence said the Americans are part of the Autumn Waffen Division. Right. The, a parallel organization to the base. The Autumn Division, which we just showed you, is directly tied back to the Aza Battalion. See how simple this is? I mean, it's very clear if you just have an objective mind. Molly Stoltzgog, an intelligence analyst at the Sufin Center, a world-renowned private firm that tracks international terrorism, said she isn't surprised the base was interested in the war in Ukraine. Ukraine has emerged as a critical node, she says, in the transnational white supremacy movement. Which some of the most lead, by the way, is there such a thing? Certainly possible. I wouldn't be surprised. But is there such a thing or is that what the CIA has built? I think it's the latter. Not to say that those people don't believe it, but the CIA has threaded this together, the U.S. government, and are using that as the point that they're going to create. I, I believe that. Some of the most lethal groups here in America, like the Autumn Waffen Division, okay, and the base, both of which are tied to the U.S. government, specifically the Aza Battalion in the case of Autumn Waffen. There is direct CIA documentation, but, but no, we're not going to make that connection. Have long had established relationships on the ground in Ukraine. It's an, it's an effort to make this case. Now, here is just security, which Whitney points out. It says confronting Russia's role in the transnational white supremacist extremism. There, this is the connection they're trying to make, and it falls apart immediately. 2020. A member of the neo-Nazi terror network, The Base, told a federal prosecutor in December that he believed the group's leader, known as Norman Spear, which is the Nazaro, Rodolfo Nazaro, was a Russian spy. Think about that. So it's really interesting how you got the one guy who's denouncing them because he's in Russia. Then you got another one of their members who's speaking on the record, which seems ridiculous to me that this is a white supremacist extremist that's just reaching out to the FBI, because that makes sense, and speaking to them and saying he's a Russian spy. That seems completely concocted. Now, of course, they want him to be framed as that because that's the whole point. Now, this is, just, this is how I'm seeing this. One month later, The Guardian revealed what his real name was and presented evidence that Nazaro lives in Russia. Yeah, See how that patches together? BBC subsequently reported that Nazaro was listed as a guest at the 2019 Russian government security ex exhibition. So a guy who has very clear and very high level security background would absolutely be somebody that would be left to... I mean, the, the point that you would try to frame that as that being proof that he works with the Russian government is just clumsy and just bad journalism. But it's interesting that this guy was the one that was picked for this group, in my opinion, because that gives them the insight. I mean, it's, you can see how this could be used, which, quote, focused on the demonstration of the results of state policy and achievements. So this is the gist of it, guys. The guy lives in Russia and he went to this conference. Must be a Russian spy. That's the level they need. It's the whole Russian dressing joke. And it's not even that much of a joke. The word Russia gets used in a sentence and suddenly you're suspect. Though Nazaro's relationship with the Russian government remains uncertain is the next sentence. So you're building an entire narrative around something you don't know? That is the epitome of Western journalism today. These reports point to a broader trend. 
a mutual affection between Western white supremacists and the Russian government. Let me say that again. Even though we don't know if there's a Russian connection, a Russian government connection, they then follow that preface by saying, this points to a mutual affection between the Russian government and white supremacists. How can you make, that's, a, that's one sentence. If you don't know, do you, if there's a relay, if it's uncertain whether there's a government relationship, how can you then follow that same sentence and say that there's an affection between them and the Russian government? That is literally contradictory. That means we don't know, but we're going to say it anyway. Exactly. Both Jared Taylor, founder of the white supremacist outlet American Renaissance, and Matthew Heimbach, a Unite the Right organizer, directly tied to the Oz Battalion, and leader of the now-defunct traditionalist Workers' Party, have met in person with ultranationalist Russian political leaders. So my point here, guys, is that just because me, like, look, meeting with a Russian politician could mean a lot. It certainly could mean everything that they say it means. And okay, if you're going to think what you should consider, but how about we consider how McCain and Graham and just about every other politician you could point to has been photographed, recorded, standing, meeting right alongside ISIS members, Azov Battalion members, white supremacy members. Does that mean that they're literally connected? Certainly could, but why don't we consider that in the same light? You see, all I'm pointing out is the aggressive, hypocritical, one-sided view that the people in the two-party paradigm apply to this stuff. Now, when you look at these, first of all, extremists turn to leader to protect Western values. If you, dang it, well, I don't want to have to open the, the incognito window again. The point is, when you look at these, you'll find that these things are not as sound as they want you to think they are. First of all, recognizing that they, I mean, you could go off on hypotheticals. And I don't want to do that. The point nonetheless, guys, is this is not as sound as they want you to make, they want you to think it is, especially since the guys we're talking about are being put together with this from a central role. Like, again, the real point is these people have these beliefs in a lot of points. It's not whether or not they're extremists or not. It's whether or not the CIA is using them like they do in every other situation or the, or the, the U.S. government in general. Like they use the extremists in Syria. It says, for its part, the Russian government has exploited this interest. It has both turned a blind eye to far-right paramilitary militarism, which is not true, within its own borders and actively cultivated neo-Nazi in the West. That's not true. Like, I, you cannot prove that. I've tried. It's flimsy at best, and I'll show you next. These decisions align with its broader project to sow discord in the Western democracies and influence through international relationships, transcontinental relationships, despite its relatively weak military and economy. <laughs> I love how these decisions align with the project. Oh, so you've proven that Russia has a, a project to sow discord in Western? Sure, I, it's probably true. The point is that there's no way they could know that. And if they did, they're not proving it, so they shouldn't say it. But the point is just, just to continue to say, well, we know because Putin's playbook, right? If you tow that line, you'll get support. And the just security is nothing but towing the line. But of course, they're weak military. Yeah, because we all know Russia's got a weak military, right? This is propaganda. Russia's plat uh, Putin's support for right-wing violence in the West, which apparently is just a foregone conclusion, right? Constitutes an element of his broader destabilization, destabilization campaign. The campaign you haven't proven, support for right-wing violence that you haven't proven, it's, it's really sad. Moreover, as Western counterterrorism efforts against the white supremacist violence continue to ramp up, which is you, framing you using other things, 
have arrested, it says right here, U.S. authorities, for example, have arrested seven members of the base and a leader of the Unite the Right rally in recent weeks. All of which ties back to the Aza Battalion, but we don't want to talk about that. Exacerbating a problem of the Russian support. Finally, it says in 2014, the ultra-nationalist political organization Russian Imperial Movement began training volunteers to fight alongside its paramilitary wing in eastern Ukraine. But the group has since expanded its operations to include global ambitions. What you won't find here is any real evidence that one, even if that was true, that that even remotely ties back to what they're talking about, other than the Yaza Battalion. But it's weird how they don't say that. You won't find that discussion, right? Like, I mean, make sure you're clear on this. They are making this obvious. These people are in Ukraine and they're extremists. They're tied to Russia. Then they go over here and they go, but here's rise above the Russian imperial movement. And they've been training in Ukraine. So why is that even connected? Because once you tie the Aza Battalion between them without the CIA connection, well, it begins to look like Russia did it all. The point is that you can't prove any of this. And the, the one thing they point at is so flimsy, it's ridiculous. And that's why I think they've pretty much stopped pointing at it, at least for now. But here's, uh, and you can read this again for yourself. I, keep, I include this just so people can continue to see the, the kind of one-stop shop reality that they've been building this since the beginning. But here's what Whitney had to say about it. The, rise, the, the Russian imperial movement, RIM, is alleged to support separatists in Ukraine's Donetsk and Lugansk, which is Donbass collectively, since 2014, and has been described by the U.S. as an anti-Ukrainian, or as anti-Ukrainian. These regions are at the center of the conflict and its most recent escalation last month. The U.S. government and pro-Western think tanks list RIM's first attack, in quotes, as its involvement in the conflict in eastern Ukraine. According to Stanford University, and by the way, the first attack she discusses up here was carried out by somebody that wasn't even aligned with the Russian imperial movement. Imperial movement. This person was associated with one person who was a member. The person who carried out the attack was part of a different group, and yet they still made the Russian imperial movement the focus of their actions. That sounds like a construct to me. And the point is that that's the one attack that wasn't even involving them that they used to justify the, that they're involved. That's very flimsy. That's all they have. Then it says, according to Stanford University's Center for International Security and Cooperation, which is the one thing that they all point out right now, the number of fighters sent by or trained by the Russian imperial movement in eastern Ukraine is unknown. That's what they say. However, one report states that the Russian imperial movement sent, quote, groups of five to six fighters from Russia to eastern Ukraine in mid to June 2014. That's it. To today, the Russian imperial movement's paramilitary arm, the Imperial Legion, has not been active in Ukraine since January 2016. However, some reports have asserted that, quote, some individuals opted to stay and continue fighting. That is the entire premise for why they say that they're the ones they're doing all this, which is what they're getting at. Following this first attack, Stanford's CISA, CIA, uh, CISAC, that's the group we're pointing at, claims that from 2015 to 2020, they have been, quote, building a transnational network. How exactly? Is that not exactly what on the record the Aza Battalion says they're doing? What the base says they're doing? So why are they focusing on the Russian imperial movement? 
that says, though, as previously noted, their success in that endeavor is based on reports of dubious authenticity and or significance, particularly in the United States. Weird they focus on it, though, right? However, their alleged role on the side of separatists in the Donbass has been used by think tanks regardless to argue that the rise the Russian imperial movement advances Moscow's policy goals with nothing but that to back it up, which they say include, quote, seeking to fuel white supremacy extremism in Europe and the United States. How can you possibly make that claim with only that to back it up? Well, because you're being told to or because you have an agenda. Some think tanks in the U.S. like just security. This one its the very point we're making here. Have used the, the Russian imperial movement to argue that Russia's government plays a major role in transnational white supremacy due to a mutual affection between Western white supremacists and the Russian government. Something that's completely subjective and unprovable, but that's exactly the point. They claim that because Russia tolerates the, right, the Russian imperial movement presence domestically, quote, the Kremlin facilitates the growth of right-wing extremism in Europe and the United States that exacerbates threats to the stability of the democratic governments. Okay, well, they didn't tolerate it, as we'll show you next. So you could make the same argument about why their rise above movement is currently still in the United States. Right? Are they tolerating them? No more than Russia is, but that's the same point, right? Or how about the Aza Battalion, that they've 100% been allowed? Right now, they're openly supporting them. Fox News and CNN alike are using Aza Battalion as their source material. But, but, but Kremlin, they're the only, they've tolerated the group. We all should be embarrassed by the level of Western press today. It says, however, what Just Security fails to mention and I promise you they're aware of it, is that the Russian imperial movement has vocally opposed and protested against Putin's government. And I'm sure that could be coordinated to make it look a certain way. But if you're going to consider that without evidence, you should do the same on the other side, which you're not doing. Has been labeled an extremist group by the Russian government. Again, they could do that just to hide what they're doing. But again, without evidence, to assume that would be pretty stupid. And they have has even had its offices raided by the Russian police because of their opposition to Putin's leadership. So in a way, you could make a point about how that seems unjust, how they're raiding their offices just because they politically disagree with Putin. And in other contexts, they might make that point. But here, no, it's because we want to pretend that he's not unhappy with them. So we're just going to hide that, not point at it. He tolerates them by raiding their offices and by disagreeing politically and Notably, just security's advisors who are making this argument that they're all pointing back to, well, they just so happen to include former CIA deputy director and event 201 participant Avril Haines, as well as former deputy chief of staff to Hillary Clinton at the State Department, Jake Sullivan. Right, so another CIA tie to this large CIA agenda, right? Nothing, nothing to that. Haines and Sullivan now serve right now as Biden's director of national intelligence top official in the country in regard to intelligence and Biden's national security advisor, respectively. No big deal. <laughs> no tie there at all. The very two central people that are making the argument about why it's the, come on, this is completely constructed. Please read this article. It really is outstanding. Now, finally, now we're over two hours. I was hoping to get that done in a lot less time. Let me play this clip for you yet again, just so you can see that this is not just some small little volunteer thing they try to make it out to be. Not that just because Scott Ritter says it, it makes it true, but it is true. And it's easily verifiable if you look anywhere but Western press. 
what happened is the United States and European Union mobilized this virulent nationalist group out of Lvov in Western Ukraine, among whom were these neo-Nazis who worshiped Stepan Bandera and the, Band, uh, the Banderista movement, uh, which was a pro-Nazi Ukrainian national movement, carried out a resistance in that area for decades. Um, these guys came in and took over Maidan, violently overthrew the, the, the legitimate president of Ukraine, and then imposed themselves through force of violence into the Ukrainian body politic. To give you an example of how powerful they are, when Poroshenko, who was the president before Zelensky, uh, negotiated the Minsk Accords in 2015, 2014, 2015, you know, he agreed that all they had to do is give a special autonomous situation to their status to the Donetsk and Lugansk, and they would stay part of Ukraine. He agreed with Germany and France. Then he came back and the neo-Nazis said, you try and implement that, we'll kill you. Americans get upset with a bunch of rioters taking the capital and then leaving the same day. I get upset about it. I'm not happy about it. But the, it ain't an insurrection. An insurrection is what happened in Ukraine. What's happening every day. Zelensky was told he was elected to be the president who brought peace. If you remember, Zelensky toured the front line because they were supposed to disarm. And he went up to the Azov battalion and he said, disarm. And they laughed at him, kicked him out. He said, I'm the president of Ukraine. They said, shut up. We'll slap you. He had to leave. And he was told, if you sign Minsk, we will hang you by the neck until dead. That's the control these people have. And they've done it in the military. They, you know, these people should have been disbanded, arrested, shot. Instead, the military absorbed them and then promoted their officers throughout the ranks so that there's neo-Nazis everywhere. And the biggest embarrassment of all is when British, American, and Canadian troops go to Ukraine to train that military and NATO tactics, NATO equipment. The photographs show that they're training the Azov Battalion because those were the first units Ukrainian military brought forward for training. We trained Nazis. Which is pretty obvious. It's amazing that they even try to pretend it as they were moments ago saying the same thing. Not necessarily that we trained them, but ultimately that that's what they were. It's obvious. Now here, to make that point even more obvious, this is an article. This was shared by Vanessa Bealey. Now, if you, oh, by the way, the, there's two Telegram channels I'm going to shout out today. One's Vanessa Bealey, and I'll do the next one in a moment. Just really hope you, I, I'm not, I, I have mixed feelings on Telegram, but there's a, it's a great place at the moment to get direct information from certain people that are being censored. And Vanessa Bealey is one of the best that you should be listening to right now. And she posted this today. 2014 from The Guardian. Now, for those right now that are acting like what we're saying is fake news, or anybody saying even remotely opposite of what you're hearing in the Western press, I want you to try to recognize, try to rectify what this says. That was, I mean, ultimately that this directly, con not that it directly, like that has changed since 2014 to 2021, but that right now they're saying that what this says never happened. Right now, they're arguing that what this describes from The Guardian was never actually the reality, even though all of them were saying it the same way back then and right up until 2021. It's not Russia that's pushed Ukraine to the brink of war. But it's, just, it's very interesting. The attempt to lever Kiev into the Western camp by ousting an elected leader made conflict certain. 
it could be a threat to us all. So bottom line, he's very clearly, and he says it again in the article, pointing out that this was a U.S.-backed regime change, a coup. They carried this out. And by the way, if you're honest, as he seems to be, at least in this moment, it's very obvious because it's on the record. I played you the clip myself. They knew this. They removed the leader that was there. And that's possibly because he was going to remove their control over those bio labs. That's all on the record. But that's a different conversation for today, from today. The point is they tried to use this by ousting the leader to drive this into reality. It says the threat of war in Ukraine is growing. This is 2014. As the unelected government in Kiev declares itself unable to control the rebellion in the country's east. Unelected, by the way. First sentence. John Kerry brands Russia as a rogue state. The U.S. and the European Union step up sanctions against the Kremlin, accusing it of destabilizing Ukraine. Yes, if you think this hasn't been going on for eight years, you're not paying attention. And it's all been directing from one side until Russia finally pushed in after eight years. The White House is reported to be set on a new Cold War policy with the aim of turning Russia into a pariah state. Like, they'll literally call you fake news if you say that was their plan. Here it is in plain English. Just because he says it doesn't make it the reality, but I do believe this is the case. And back then, they were at least willing to be critical of it. That's the point, guys. They were trying to turn this into the reality we now see today. That might be more explicable if what is going on in eastern Ukraine now were not the mere image of what took place in Kiev a couple of months ago. Then, it was armed protesters in Maidan Square seizing government buildings and demanding a change of government and constitution, which we now know were completely staged and were completely pushed forward by U.S.-backed entities. U.S. and European leaders championed the masked militants, of course, as they always do, like the moderate rebels in Syria, and denounced the elected government for its crackdown as they did in Syria, as they did everywhere else, just as they now back the unelected government's use of force against rebels occupying police stations and town halls in cities like Donetsk. Even the Western press at that point could call out the, the hypocritical nature. So you'll, you'll back the mass militants who, denounce, who, who stand in this case, but then when the same thing happens in reverse, you back the other side? Because it's not about the side or revolution or fighting for freedom. It's about the narrative, the policy. And they'll happily stand by whatever they need to to make that happen. And don't miss miss how this was even back then. If you probably ask the same guy right now, he'll tell you a different narrative, I would bet. Quote, America is with you, Senator John McCain told demonstrators, then standing shoulder to shoulder with the leader of the far rights of Voda party. That's Tony Book. As a U.S. ambassador haggled with the State Department over who would make up the new Ukrainian government. This is right there. This is what it looks like to write honestly about a regime change. Pretending you're de democratic when all you're doing is, a, is totalitarian, at a totalitarian level, putting people in power who will do what you tell them to do. McCain standing next to a leader of an openly extremist group. Why? Well, because they were, they were useful for them, and they still are now, but now they're lying about what they are. What happened to, this, what happened to the Svoboda party? Did they just no longer exist? It's weird how none of the Western press is even mentioning them right now. Or is it obvious that they're just choosing to hide it while pretending that it's only the Azov that's no longer dangerous? Please let that end with that one statement. <laughs> no, we're never going to do that. When the Ukrainian president was replaced by a U.S.-selected administration. Look at that. Which is exactly what it was. An entirely unconstitutional takeover. Which is also... Western press.
How is this possible? If you right now tried to have a conversation with them anywhere in the Western media about whether or not it was an illegal regime change, they would call you a conspiracy theorist. But all over the place, they were happy to say it back then. Isn't that funny? Just unreal. Politicians such as William Hague brazenly misled Parliament about the legality of what had taken place. The imposition of a pro-Western government on Russia's most neurologic and politically divided neighbor. That's neuralgic. Neuralgic. I looked this up earlier. I'd never seen that before, actually. It's not neurologic. It's neuralgic. Intense, typically intermittent pain along with course of a nerve. So it's sort of neurological connected. But anyway, the point is that on, on, its, on its face, they're telling you the, the you know, there was an illegal act. They lied about that act to cover it up, to put in a pro-Western government right along the border of Russia, which is a huge deal. Can you imagine if that happened in Mexico? Yeah, they would just give it, they would let it go because freedom, right? Democracy. No. The U.S. government would probably blow up the world to, to make a point. What had been had been a glorious cry for freedom in Kiev became infiltration and insatiable aggression in Sevastopol and Lugansk. So how, how about this again? How about it for the same point, different angle? What would the Guardian say right now if you pointed out that the Azov Battalion had committed atrocities in the Donbass region? They would call you a fake news conspiracy theorist. It's right there. Insatiable aggression in Lugansk. Oops. After Crimeans voted overwhelmingly to join Russia, <laughs> oops, sorry, these are endless examples of what they pretend aren't the realities now, the bulk of the Western media abandoned any hint of even-handed coverage. So Putin is now routinely compared to Hitler. It was already starting back then. There's an agenda being laid. While the role of the fascistic right on the streets and in the new Ukrainian regime has been airbrushed out of most reporting as Putin is propaganda admitting that he knows they lie and they cover it up and they pretend it's propaganda when they know that it's not. It's like we live in a cartoon. So you don't hear much about the Ukrainian government's veneration of wartime Nazi collaborators, right? Or the arson attacks on the homes and offices of elected communist leaders or the integration of the extreme right sector, which they also ignore right now, into the National Guard along with the Azov Battalion, while the anti-Semitism and white supremacism of the government's ultra-nationalists is as studiously played down and false identifications of Russian special forces are relayed as fact. This is like a talking point list of exactly what's happening now. The reality is that After two decades of eastward NATO expansion, the crisis was triggered by the West's attempt to pull Ukraine decisively into its orbit and defense structure via an explicitly anti-Moscow EU association agreement. Its rejection led to the Maidan protests and the installation of an anti-Russian administration rejected by half the country. You also won't hear that today. That went on to sign the EU and International Monetary Fund agreements regardless. Exactly the IMF, regardless of what the people actually want, because that's the point. The NATO expansion. My, the, the whole idea here is that you, the, uh, they have been trying to do this from the beginning with NATO, with everything else, and they've been actively taking these actions, which they knew would drive action from Russia. You will, in my opinion, you will not see any corporate, mainstream, whatever you want to call it, media articles like this, possibly ever again. We are in a different part of the time. We're in a different time today. 
I don't know if it was COVID forward. That's just when it became very obvious. But we have gone off the cliff's edge at this point. They are, I, it doesn't even seem like they need source material anymore. They just write at you and tell you it's the, it's the corporate, that's journalism because we know better than you. And this at least seems moderately honest. Putin's absorption of Crimea and support for the rebellion in eastern Ukraine is clearly defensive. You, they just won't say that today. And the red line now drawn, the east of Ukraine, at least, is not going to be swallowed up by NATO or the EU. So when you draw these red lines and the U.S. continually crosses them, is that not justifiable, at least from the perspective of Russia? But we've gone to this childish version of discussion today where you can't even pretend to see their perspective. The U.S. and its European allies impose sanctions and dictate terms to Russia and its protégés in Kiev, encouraging the military crackdown on protesters after visits from Joe Biden and the CIA director, John Brennan. Right. So after Biden, which is an interesting connection all the way back in 2014 to right now, along with the director of the CIA, just happened to visit and encourage the military crackdown on protesters, which later becomes the impetus for the entire thing. By what, but by what right is the U.S. involved at all? More logic that you won't see today, incorporating under a strategic umbrella a state that has never been a member of NATO and whose last elected government came to power on a platform of explicit neutrality. Because that's actually what the people want. It has none, of course, which is why the Ukraine crisis is seen as such a different light across most of the world. There may be a few global takers for Putin's oligarchic conservatism and nationalism, which is what they are arguing, and maybe that's the case, but Russia's counterweight to U.S. imperial expansion is welcomed from China to Brazil, and a lot in between. The point is, a lot of the world does not agree with what's being forced on them right now, especially pre-COVID. The risk of civil war is nevertheless growing, and with it, the chances of outside powers being drawn into the conflict. Barack Obama has already sent token forces to Eastern Europe, CIA, and it is under pressure both from Republicans and NATO hawks such as Poland to send many more. Both U.S. and British troops are due to take part in NATO military exercises in Ukraine, which, by the way, was, an also, was a gigantic red line. The U.S. and EU have already overplayed their hand in Ukraine. I'm sure this guy probably never wrote again after this, but the point is this is obvious. This is the reality. Western press, right before they weren't allowed to talk about it anymore, right? Now here, we're talking about the Azov Battalion, right? All the obvious realities of what they're tied to, what they are. Well, right this moment, you can find their channel on YouTube, Twitter, everywhere else. But you just, you'll get censored for suggesting something these days, but these guys are openly neo-Nazi and they're being promoted. Now, how does that make sense? Unless they don't believe in the things they pretend they stand for. Now, you, you know, this is airbrushed and completely, you won't find, at least unless, maybe I didn't see any examples of what we're talking about, because that's not what this is supposed to be. But it's amazing that its symbol, which is openly the Wolf's Angel symbol, which anybody honest will say is an open neo-Nazi symbol, is just completely ignoring that. That's the point, though, because there's a reason these people are supposed to be recognized. Now, we just discussed the Bucha discussion here about how these groups are carrying certain things out. Now you may not, you may feel differently about some of these events. I'm not simple. I'm not, just like I said in this title, the Bucha was Bucha false flag, a massacre or both a review of the evidence. 
The point is simply to look at everything in front of you and recognize that it's not as clear as the corporate press wants to make it. Dive through this for yourself if you want to see the deeper discussion. There is an endless amount of information that suggests this is very suspect. Most prominently, that the timings don't add up of when they said they were gone, of when the supposed information was given. And then on top of that, the Maxar Technologies, which is the key central part of the evidence, the satellite imagery, is a CIA cutout. They're directly tied. One of the people on their board of directors is a member of the CIA. It's ridiculous. And that's where we get into on this port. Key Bucha evidence came directly from the CIA cutout. Now, you want to watch, look at both of those to get the full story? Please do. The point today is to follow up on the extra part of this that just came. Now, this is, of course, from South Front, which, like I said before, people will probably ignore because they want to, well, they're Russian cut. It, it shouldn't be about where it comes from. You can check this information for yourself. Now, it says the crux of the matter is that the Russian military was blamed for the massacre back in mid-March but most of the civilians were killed after troops withdrawal from Bucha. Now, we've already shown you this. The images that they're showing you, if they're claiming they were sitting on the street from March 11th until today, until the a couple days ago in 50-degree weather, I mean, it's pretty horrific to understand what that would actually look like. Look like a balloon. It'd be disgusting. Now, the point is that that's not how they look. Barely any decomposition. Fresh blood on the ground. I mean, these are basic, basic things, guys. Now it says, at the time, Maxar Technologies, the CIA cutout, provided images that were proof of the massacre. Maxar Technologies has several satellites, and they list each of them off, and you can check this for yourself. Three satellites were moving in all. The satellites started moving on March 19th, but none of them had a trajectory over Bucha. This is watch the video below. Hence, we can conclude that there was no information on Bucha from these satellites. Please confirm this for yourself. You, I mean, it just shows you the, the path of these satellites. And by the way, you can find the links and the information. But the point is, everyone well remembers, it says, that there were satellite images that, that came up. The question rises, when were they taken? That was my point. All that had to do was lie about when they were taken. The New York Times published images of, of dead people. The images show the aftermath of the downpour which took place from March 31st to April 1st. April 1st being when the Aza Battalion arrived, or at least we can prove that they were there. You can also look at the position of the shadows compared to March 19th and the February 28th. The shadows and time match. Only the picture for March 19th was not taken on March 19th, but was taken on April 1st. Also using the sun calc, sun calc program, the specialist compared the angles of the sun's de uh, de declination, declination over the horizon, which also matched. The study was conducted by a team of OSINT and these different specialists. The specialists concluded that the images were not taken on March 19th, but in fact, on April 1st. Now it says, and again, here's the links you can check out. If we turn to the New York Times article, we can notice that the first photos of Bucha were taken between March 9th and March 11th. At that time, the territory was under the control of the Ukrainian forces. It, was, it also states that the Russians took the city on March 11th. However, according to the Institute of War report, the Russians did not control the south of the city from March 9th to March 11th. Attention should be also drawn to the statement of the general staff of Ukraine on Facebook on March 10th, which there's links, you can read it for yourself, which reads, quote, the enemy is trying to break through the defenses of Ukraine's defenders in the area of, and it lists off all these places. Next, 
The Institute of War on a Facebook page on post on March 11th states that all attempts by the Russian army to take Bucha have failed. Now, what would be funny is if that was them just lying about it to make it seem like they weren't losing and that undermines their very narrative, right? But I, I believe it's more so the reality that's showing you that they weren't actually in control of what they claimed they were. The point is there's a time frame there where they didn't even have control of the entire area, but very least before the 11th didn't. And it says, putting together the first and second parts of the puzzle, the picture emerges where the Russian troops did not commit the acts attributed to them. The question of trusting one side over the other remains open, a personal matter for everyone. Oh, this, this is the, uh, the, they always put a video along with what they're saying here, and it reads off this. The point is that the idea is between March 11th and March, I believe it was 30th, it's on the record. Where the, where the Ukrainian government says that they weren't there until March 11th and even then didn't have complete control over Bucha. But then after March 30th, they claim they left. Now, there's no way this adds up with the time frame. If that was taken on March 19th, or excuse specifically March 19th, in, in regard to the, the, the areas they controlled, and on top of that, the idea that the bodies that were there were completely not, if it was there from any time in the middle of March all the way until when you seen them, they would not look the way they looked. Then on top of that, we have the evidence of the Azov Battalion dragging bodies into place. I went over all of this in these discussions. Let me see if I can grab it real quick. Probably not. <laughs> Forget. I'm going to see if I get lucky. Nope. Maybe that one? The point is that we have all these we were showing you where they're, they're literally caught on record dragging these bodies into place. Let's see. It's got to be right here. I think this is the one. Yep. So, their only argument to this, and I'm not even making this up, is that they were checking for IEDs. Now, if they were doing that, they are the worst soldiers alive. Because as you see, and this is supposed to be on the 4th, by the way, to the 4th. So after all this time, and by, the bodies would not look like that. These are fresh bodies, guys. There's no way around that. If they were there since the middle of March, they would not look like that. But here's what they're doing, and this is even on, on the Ukraine media. So right there is the first point they make. That guy would get... If that was a bomb, possibly... You're going to pretend like he's standing 15 feet away? Like that makes sense? It's, it's ridiculous. If the bomb went off, he would kill himself. It's not about that. And why would they move it more than once and walk up to it and move it again? Here's Actually, you know what I should have played was this. Because I, I, I put in the image next to it. And this is important to look at. The image is the image of what they showed in the New York Times. Now look at the body compared to where they're, what they're doing. Невероятно храбрые, самые лучшие воины этого мира в военнослужащей украинской армии. Что мы откроем, когда будет деоккупирован Мелитополь, Бердянск, Херсон? Невероятно храбрые, самые лучшие воины. That's the same picture. That's the same place, same picture, same car. I've already proven this in the past shows. So you're telling me that the picture they used where it was ended up in that position was with the same position it was in after they were done checking for IEDs? Yeah, that makes sense. So they checked for IEDs before the 4th? Or they took those pictures after the 4th and claimed they weren't the 4th? I mean, there's a lie in there somewhere. But nobody wants, nobody cares to poke into it, right? 
where were we here? Right. Oh, and then on top of that, to end that section before we, you know, we're almost at three hours. How does this not get discussed? I mean, just a simple concept of false flags. When they get where the Wall Street Journal reports that the U.S. government got caught secretly acquiring and secretly sending Soviet weapons in general to Ukraine. Why would you send old Soviet weaponry unless you wanted to make it look like Russia did something? But no, we just skip right over this. And then we keep seeing things where they go, look what Russia just did. And nobody cares to do due diligence on it. Just like this. Ukrainian officials say at least 50 people were killed in this missile strike on a train station. Certainly could be the truth. I mean, look, there could be, you could argue that there's a strategic reason Russia wanted to do this. And they, if that's the case, they wouldn't care about killing people. Or you could argue the Russian government, or you could argue that this was a wayward attack that went somewhere else. They didn't mean to. Or you could argue that the Azov Battalion was controlling this and, and pretend, and like we already proved, and we'll show you next, where they're hiding with people alongside them. So then when it happens, they blame Russia for killing people that they were using. In any case, shouldn't we care to prove this before it gets broadly reported? Not in Western corporate media today. They don't even need source material. Officials say, let's report it. What about when Russia says something after that? Do you report that too? No, no, just what what Ukraine says, because we're objective journalists, obviously. Ukraine says, everybody instantly reports it. Russia did this, Ukraine says. Russian artillery kills two. Donetsk governor. Now, here's my point before. That's not the real governor of Donetsk. This is a Ukraine puppet that's not even in Donetsk. Just like the fake hottie puppet, which we'll probably talk about in the next couple of shows where he's no longer Saudi Arabia, just went the other direction. And that guy stepped down. U.S. is failing all over the place and their their criminal agendas right now, the U.S. government. The point is they want people that don't know to think this is the, the, the area Russia's with. Speaking out against what Russia did. That's not what's happening. This is a this is a puppet of the Ukraine government, in fact, directly from Mariupol, who's pretending to be speaking on behalf of Donetsk. The point is, this is the governor of Ukraine's Donetsk region, which is not, it's not nobody in Donetsk thinks they're part of Ukraine, says this happened. And they report it. They said at least two people were killed. That's it. And they report it. And look at what it says way down at the bottom. Russia denied Reuters was unable to verify what he said. Great journalism, guys. So look, I don't even have a problem with that if you're actually going to report what anybody in the situation says. But that's not what's happening. Russia speaks up and says, Ukraine did this. Crickets. Did you prove they didn't do it? No, they just don't care what Russia says. But Ukraine will speak up anybody in the Ukraine government anywhere, even the Azov Battalion. And they all scream, Ukraine said this. If you can't see the agenda, then you're not paying attention. Now, here is this governor. Zelensky has introduced military prosecutor Pablo as a new head of the Donetsk Regional State Administration. Yeah, well, he's not even in the area because that makes sense, right? Or technically, this was before this was 2019. But as of right now, he's not there. It's a challenge to head Donetsk region today. It's a very complicated part of Ukraine. Exactly. It's not part of Ukraine. That's the whole point of what they want. Right, but it's already happened. They've they've since since the separation, which is why they call them Russian separatists into in 2014-15, or I think that's when it happened. Anyway, since up since after the regime change, the point is that this has been openly not part of it. At the very least, it's disputed. So by calling it Ukraine, it's just you want people to think that. 
It says the most important thing is that all of Ukraine follows events in Donbass because it's Ukraine. That's my point. Zelensky said there were speculations in recent years that they are preventing others from speaking in Russian, saying that they are putting pressure on Russian language, which is exactly what's happening. He doesn't actually say that didn't happen, but here's what he says next. There are even those who say that it's necessary to ride on tanks to defend them. I don't even know why that makes sense to what he said before that. In order that there is no manipulation, let me continue speaking in Russian. You see what I mean? This guy doesn't know how, I don't even think this guy knows what he's saying. So they're saying that we're forcing people to not speak to Russian, basically. There are even those who say it's necessary to ride on tanks to defend them. To defend those you're telling not to speak Russian? I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Bottom line is, let me keep speaking in Russian so it looks like I care about... It's not what's happening. And I'm going to show you not only this woman saying this. Mostly people ask for Russian language, but they decided to Ukrainize us so that everybody speaks Ukrainian. There is an end, so many people on the record saying this. Zelensky's just lying. Or he doesn't know because he's not actually in control. I mean, however you want to look at this, this guy is not the guy. This is a puppet of the U.S. government. Even the Guardian pointed that out before they were no longer telling you that. But the point is, October 2020, the next year, the mayor of Mariupol. You mean that gigantic place that's under the control of the Azov Battalion since 2014 that I've proven to you and I'll show you again? Yes, that very extremist group that they're all screaming are dangerous right up until they no longer said that. Yes, that's the same guy, governor of Donetsk. So this guy is directly tied to the Azov Battalion. That's the same point I'm making, guys. Here, this is from, uh, where was the link again? 2022. Azov Battalion. Extremists defending Mariupol. Isn't it funny how you dance between outlets and it's like, no, you dumb conspiracy theorists. They're totally good. Oh, now they're extremists. It just depends on what they're trying to sell you. But it says the city of Mariupol is primarily being defended by the Azov Battalion. Exactly my point. Mariupol is also where the Azov Battalion has set up its headquarters. Yeah, but they're just a small fringe thing. Remember this picture in the beginning where they were trying to sell you on fighting for freedom and training grannies and young children, right? Neo-Nazis training child soldiers became a good thing in the disgustingly hypocritical Western press. The Ukrainian government decided to incorporate the ultranationalists into state structures. It's not what we're supposed to say, though. Now, where are we? Okay. I think what we're going to do today, seeing as how we're at three hours, I'm going to play a couple of videos of Mariupol people telling you what's going on. You know what? Let me just see if I can get through this. I'm going to try to do it quickly because I want this stuff on the same. I did not want this to be this long. And you've seen this one before. First, these are Patrick Lancaster. And these are people on the ground telling you what they're seeing. Yes, you should ask whether they might be lying or that he's part of something, whatever. As I've said a thousand times, you can consider that. But to dismiss it without evidence makes you stupid, right? And I don't, that's not an insult. People are, it's ignorant to just assume it's fake because it doesn't align with what you were told you're supposed to think. That means you're just a trained animal. Consider this as fake, just like you would hopefully consider what Ukraine is saying is fake. And then look for evidence. My point is that this is being said over and over and over and over and over. Over and over and over and over, just nonstop right now. You can see the tabs if you look it up. Those are all the same thing. Here's what she says. Stop, Zelensky. Stop it. Stop it. For the children. For months. Old people. Stop it. She's saying this to Patrick Lancaster. It says, who shoots from here? It says, here used to stand Ukrainian tanks right under the house. It will shoot, and they will probably see the tank and start shooting at the house. 
There was artillery over there. There, did you see that? She says. Where was I? On the ninth floor, they jumped out with a child and an old pensioner was pulled out from the ninth floor. And while they were still there, they pulled him out of the stretcher. We have a medical girl there. Do you see everything is falling? Everything is falling because of the wind. Hold on. Where's that for the main point? She already said in the beginning that she's saying that Ukraine did this, calling out Zelensky. I'm trying to go through these reasonably quickly. What? Oh, that's YouTube glitching out on us, breaking itself to stop us, right? As always, not just us, but anybody who's not, who's been pinpointed by them. Here it says, will they catch them? Do you know what Azov is? Yes, and it was them. Yes, Ukrainian tanks were here. They have heard that Azov were at the roof of the building. Is that true? They were on the roof of a neighboring house and they didn't come up to us. The commander came looking for them. He said there are three of their people here. Basically, I mean, basically saying they're bombing. It says right there, the kindergarten was just renovated for children and it's been destroyed. This is all, they're all pointing at the Ukrainian military. All of them. Here it is. Another woman, refugees exposed Mariupol war crimes. It says, thank God they warned us. What military? Russian military. The white identification marks. Which, by the way, is exactly the point about what people are talking about in regard to Bucha. That the white ties on their arms were not Russian tying their arms and, and killing them at different distances along the ground, but were Russian military symbols of uh, basically taken from Ukraine to be enemy. So potentially taking that and tying them. I mean, you could see how that makes sense. That's just what people are saying in this regard, but people fleeing from Mariupol, the white identification marks. They warned us that today there will be a big fight and it's unsafe. So but that's Russians telling them you're in danger. And in many cases, we're, there's examples thing here. They gave us food. They gave us medicine. I mean, just none of that aligns with what they're saying Russia's doing. Now, here's a point of being objective. Just because she had a good experience with some Russian fighters doesn't mean that all of them are not hurting people, right? That's called being objective. But in this case, they won't. They, they would argue that they're all out there murdering and raping and pillaging and getting drunk and walking around. And really, that's what all the people on the ground are saying the Alta Battalion are doing. And in fact, doing it and pretending to be Russians using Russian rations and uniforms. I've already shown you this stuff. I'm not saying I can prove that's the case, but why don't we consider that these are real people telling you what they saw when all you get on the contra on the reverse are airbrushed CNN box videos with one person or two people and, oh, he's anonymous, so oh, I can't show his face. Oh, he just showed up here yesterday and we're getting his opinion. It's garbage. They helped us. They treated our children with gingerbread cookies, water, and juice. They gave us a piece of advice. Then we went down to the sea. This is my daughter, and they brought us here after the checkpoint. That was mostly what I wanted to show. I think they say one more thing later on. Oh, look, there it goes again. Good job. Now watch, if I try to play it right now without refreshing, it won't. Oh, that's weird. Usually it just it spins for me. In any case, I'm going to skip past this one in the interest of time. Here's one. It says, they organized our departure here, the Russian government. And here is an intermediate point. From here, we will leave further. It says, we were waiting for buses that will take us out. And where do we want to go? Towards... Uh, so you basically a Russian area. So you want to go to Russia? Yes. Did someone tell you to go there or was it your decision? It says our relatives are there. So it's our decision. The point is these are at people in Ukraine fle fleeing to Russia. Like if even, even a fraction of what they're saying Russia's doing is true, that wouldn't make sense. They're just indiscriminately murdering civilians in every chance they get. 
But yet here's here these people are fleeing into Russia. And by the way, there's been endless examples of how many people have fled Ukraine for Russia. Here's the I've showed you this one, but I want to show you more of this one. This is important. This guy's talking about a, a manipulator, somebody who was inside one of these camps pretending to be a, a, a refugee, but really being somebody there to to spy, manipulate. He says he didn't know the terrain, yet pretending to be from the area. And he said things that do not correspond to reality. And in the evening, he shouted glory to Ukraine in the stronghold that we have there. It's the, and it's it's the police. He said, did he say that to the police? Patrick asked. No, he was taken to the police because he said that they came from Mariupol in home slippers, but he was all clean. Basically, as if he's like a refugee in slippers, but he's totally clean. It was slushy and freezing outside. He just couldn't be that clean. The point is, this guy was in a screaming glory to Ukraine and arguing that, no, they're being super kind and there's no weapons there. And this is the guy talking to me to media. Now, of course, he could be the one telling the truth. This guy could be lying. But ask how pot all these other people are saying the same thing he is. And this guy is suspect, is the point. He says, and he said that there are no troops in Mariupol. It's okay. Everything is fine. And he says, but when I left, they'd already put up grads in the courtyards. They'd also put tanks in the right of the courtyards there. They just got the factories. Ukrainians? Yes. Ukrainians or Azov? He said, I don't remember. We didn't understand much there, but it's basically Ukraine either way. So they're the ones putting these things on courtyards in civilian areas, guys. It's, oh, it's easy to see this. And this guy's basically saying, no, no, that's not true. I, not this guy, but the guy he's pointing at saying he was a manipulator. I see that there has been a lot of shelling, was it? There's been a lot of shooting here. He says, uh, this is probably when there was an attack in the morning. Let me skip past. There's one part I wanted to get to here. So basically the shelling was by Ukrainians. Yes, on, on civilian territories. There was shelling before the DPR and Russia was here. One more time, please. He says, when the Ukrainian troops were here, did the DPR shoot at the city or not? There were assault groups, machine guns. I haven't been there since. Uh, there were grads flying with packages in this direction. Dang it. Surprised that works now. He says, was it Ukrainian grads? Yes. He says, so they shelled the whole package somewhere in their direction. One of the attackers, they bombed the areas. Hold on. Sorry, I'm going fast through this for the podcast, especially. I'm just trying to get to these points in the interest of time. He says, today I'm trying to find guys from Mariupol to find out how things are there. My parents stayed there. But they say that everything is very sad. Today, I heard another story that the Ukrainian armed forces started shooting with Azov. This is really interesting. This is what we've heard backed up by a couple people. It says, because the Ukrainian forces wanted to give up. We've already heard this. They said they got messages that say, come over to the other side. You, you can give up and nothing will happen to you. Which is, by the way, funny. That's exactly what we saw in Syria. So it actually makes sense that it would line up with what Russia and Syria have already done in Syria. Where they go, look, guys, we want this to be over. We don't care if you're scream extremist or not. Give up. Come over here and we'll shuttle you over to this different area, right? That's what happened in Idlib to a small degree. The point here is that they're saying, at least what he's claiming, is they were given messages to give up. And the Ukrainian military was like, Jesus, let's give up because we're getting destroyed. And then the point is that the Azov Battalion shot at them when they tried to leave. Doesn't that also align with what we're hearing from everybody else? The children, the women, the adults. They're saying we're getting shot at. Same also with the military personnel that said he was shot at when he tried to leave. He says, so they want to surrender. The Azov starts shooting at them and they are at war with each other. Such an episode also took place. This is according to the stories of people who got out of Mariupol three days ago. Mariupol is on fire. People are suffering. I haven't been there. I'll have to go there somehow later. I want everything to be and faster. He says, what's the reason? The reason is that there are nationalists in power in Ukraine. I don't know if you know this. There are, there are Oleg, like, see, th these are the people we're talking about. 
He ta- he mentions the names we've discussed. Tony Book. These are the people who started it. Nationalists are simply in power in Ukraine, and therefore nothing good to be expected. This is a Ukrainian. It was a matter of time before it started. It's good that in some areas the authorities have supported. For example, uh, I'm going to leave it there in case that was the main part of it. I just it's pretty damn clear. Oh, here here's one last point. It says we have Azov soldiers in Mariupol. He had tattooed swastikas. Do you know what a swastika? I mean, this guy is openly telling you what he saw. Yes, you should consider whether he's wrong, lying, whatever else. In Mariupol, because it's controlled by the Azov Battalion. They are openly neo-Nazi, and your government and your media are hiding it from you. Here is Patrick Lancaster pointing out that they're going around trying to rescue civilians who are being shelled and attacked at the front line of Mariupol. Patrick Lancaster, and right now we are riding into Mariupol in a ambulance with Donetsk People's Republic forces, and we are expecting to pick up injured civilians, and we'll have to see how this plays out, but you're here with me, so please like this video, subscribe, and share. Here we go. Uh, people are just upset. Please help us. We're going. Uh, please help us. These people are desperate, desperate to leave, right? So the, the and the argument is that these people are desperate to to basically because they're fleeing the controlled area that is still under the control of the Azov Battalion. And as it says right here, what are they? Are they, they are shelling our houses. They're screaming, "Please save us!" Who is shelling your houses? Ukraine. Who else? They smoke us out of our homes with incendiary weapons. So then they use these homes to fight. That's what people are being told. They just smoke us out of there. Did you get it? My dear, my dear son. He's a military man. We are civilians. We are sitting at the home in our basement. Right? These are the people they're pointing at saying Russia's bombing and they're keeping them there. They shot at us. They come after our homes. I mean, it's just, it's disgusting. Now watch the, watch for yourself. I mean, I, I again, I keep I wanting to skip past these for time, but They just keep making the same statements and the same points about who is doing this and why. Now, I've shown you this one before. This is just an endless... You know, you can't get these to play right now because they censored this entire stream, but this had a whole bunch of these videos. All these different people from different outlets, different locations, all telling you what they were seeing as they left Mariupol. Gee, I wonder why they censored that. But you can still find these different areas. Here's here's a guy saying, where'd you arrive from? From Mariupol. How did you manage to leave? Unclear. Russian army? Thank you very much. He says, we hate Ukraine. Why? Didn't Ukrainians help you? He says, Ukrainian army was doing the shooting. They were shooting at us, shooting at people. I mean, it just, it just never ends. We've shown you this one already of these people. This is a checkpoint where Ukrainian soldiers were stopping people. Now, I don't care if you think these were bad. The bottom line is that this is not international law. I mean, the way you're trying to pretend these people are doing fighting for democracy, this is what it looks like. Whoa. And they shot at him. 
Right. So they shoot at a car because he flees. Does that not line up with exactly what we're seeing? There's no denying this, guys. That's obviously Ukrainian soldiers. And they're obviously aggressively, violently hurting people for no reason. And let's be clear. Who knows what we know about that car? But let's not pretend like that's the way to conduct yourself. But the point is that as he tries to drive away, they just shoot at the car. That's because this is what they are. Azov and Mariupol kill civilians and do not allow them to flee the city. Over and over and over, we are seeing this reality. Here is a woman explaining to you what she was, what they did to her. Let's not forget this discussion. The idea that the Russian soldiers, they claim, carved a swastika into a woman, even though Patrick Lancaster found that woman first before any of them saw this and reported on this. Now, you could then argue that that was something that he was a part of, whatever. I mean, I, I, I greatly respect Patrick Lancaster. I'm only saying that to be objective, irritatingly so. The point is that they might argue, well, he was there, so maybe he's a part, whatever. That's certainly a possibility. My point is that on April 4th, well, actually, it was March 28th, when you actually look at his original video, which I, uh, no, I don't have it up. That's when he found this woman, the remains of her, in a Ukraine base littered with Ukraine insignias and whatever else. It was clear it was used by Ukrainian military. Or at the very least, it was staged to look like that. Okay, but the point is, This gets reported by Ukraine member of parliament on April 6th. And guess what? She uses the same image that Patrick did. And the body looks the same. So are we pretending that the body in 50 degree weather from March 28th all the way to April 2nd just happened to look the same? Or are we realizing they simply cropped out an image that Patrick had and claimed it was something else a week and a half later? It's just very clear that these are, they're grasping on to anything. But here's the point, though. This woman is telling you what she experienced, and she's alive to tell you. Yeah, she could be lying, but it's interesting how it aligns with what else we're seeing. It's horrific, in fact. But here's what she says. She says, tell me about the circumstances where you were taken into custody. I was taken into Mayor Upol October 20th, 1920th. Exited the bus terminal. Two vehicles blocked her way. A bag was put over her head. They took her away to torture. Where were you taken? It was a closed facility, a garage. Later, it became clear that it was Mariupol's airport refrigerator chamber. Right, so they're ste- they're kidnapping and torturing civilians in the airport. And then when that place gets attacked or, or whatever, we've already seen the airport come into conversations. Russia's bombing the civilian airport. Right. You can see how this is being manipulated. I was held there for quite a long time. My mother was searching for me 11 days. Only after, and oh, and by the way, if you see where this begins, she says her name, her date of birth. You can verify who this is, verify that she exists, and that she has a real life and is not some CIA US aid cutout. Right? That doesn't happen any other way. The other reports we just showed you yesterday, one was anonymous, the other one just happened across the scene that very day. And those are the sources for why Russia did this. You just saw it, I showed it yesterday. But I'll show you another 17 examples of people leaving this area. But it's all fake news because Russia, even though you didn't prove that. Yeah. 
I was officially taken into custody in Odessa. Everything I could undergo, I did. Every, anything, to, in, uh, anything to specify? She says, well, she says, have you been a subject to, tor- subject to torture? And she's basically said everything they could do, they did. She, she says, I was raped, suffocated. My fingers were fractured. I was enwrapped into fabric while showing me a freshly dug grave. Doesn't that seem to sound exactly like what this is? This, this person that was covered in plastic or whatever. That's the story they're saying right here. I think they even used, they think they even said, no, they didn't. They said, oh, that's weird. Maybe I'm getting the word wrong, but they discussed how the body was covered or, or something was laid over it. The point is, it seems very similar to what happened here. This went on for 11 days. They did this to her. In Mariupol. Just who were they? I don't know. They were all masked. But this is uh, uh, still to this moment, the Mariupol is under the control of the Yaza Battalion. Still. Of course, they were using Russian language. Right? This is the point. This is what keeps happening. This is an effort, in my opinion, to to manipulate the situation. There's a, There's an endless amount of information that shows you that this is what's happening. Now, to be clear, could this be Russians doing this? Yes. I've never said otherwise. The point is that how you, I mean, you have to factor in all of this. An area where they weren't in control. So we have to argue that they somehow went into the airport in the central area during which it was under control of the Ukraine government. That makes no sense at all. And conducted this in an area that they didn't have control of. Like, it just doesn't make sense. This is in the internal area where they were pretending to be Russians. That's what it seems like to me. individual cell. I wasn't held in a cell. It was some sort of disused basement, she says. Anybody else was there with you? They were around all the time beating me up constantly. I was beaten into the bone, completely mutilated, which is exactly what we're seeing and reported from all these different people from Mariupol. Wherever you routed after 11 days, I was taken to some sort of apartment somewhere in Mariupol, a house of some kind. They tried to wash off all the blood and all and get me in shape, dress me up. So they could take me to Odessa and take me to official custody. Who conducted the procedure? The security service of Ukraine. Right, because it makes perfect sense that the Russians would hand her over to Ukraine's security service, right? Also, the security service of Ukraine is completely infiltrated by the Azov Battalion. These people passed me on to the SSU. While you were held in Mariupol, were you forced to do any kind of testimony? And she says, yes, of course. Was it recorded? Yes, it was videotaped. The reason why it went on for 11 days was they were demanding a confession from me. On, on something I have no idea of, the murder of Colonel Karabarashi or Karabaryish. <laughs> so it's, it's funny on that point. Somebody else, somebody emailed the other day saying, you're such a shill. You're, you're such, you don't even know what you're doing because you can't even pronounce Russian names. Like, yeah, that, that makes me not know what I'm doing, right? I mean, frankly, you could argue that I might take a little bit of extra time to make sure. I don't care. And maybe you could argue that means I don't know what I'm doing, but I think it's hilarious that people are so desperate to hide the information we're connecting by pointing out things like that. Frankly, I can look up this name and I probably forget it before I went live. So that's why I don't tend to do it. As you guys know that watch this show, but going forward, it says, have you confessed on eight or seven? Yeah, I did. Yes. But you know, under being forced to, I was continuously drugged up. I was, was never fed uh, once make a confession for them. The video where they were filming, 
It says, when were you held by the SSU? It says, no, it was not. It says, it, I've pled guilty on all charges. Oh, no, it's saying, was this a confession they used afterward? Like, basically, at what the Ukraine was using. And she said, no, it wasn't used. I pled guilty on the charges after they were threatening my family. The Ukrainian government. So at this point, it's very clear. So let's not pretend like this was some kind of, just because they spoke Russian, sort of how what, January 6th, how you have evidence of Ukrainians on the ground screaming things in Russian. This is an obvious coordinated effort. Hmm. Basically, they, they, then she served a sentence in Western Ukraine. So they raped, drugged, manipulated, and spoke in Russian the whole time, and then handed over to the Ukrainian government. Here is another example of these people telling you what they're seeing. Let's go back to the events. It's saying, what, what can you tell me about military crimes against civil, civil people as a shield? Or how, basically using human shields. It says they witnessed a person personally. Yes, I know personally a man who was thrown out of the house. It was an apartment building. When we were sitting on the basements, we also were running around the neighborhood. One of the basements we met our neighbors. Trying to just skip to the point here. Which militants were they? So they kicked out of the apartment owners. Yes, they were to get... Uh, hold on, let me see, skip it. Yeah, Ukrainian, right there. Ukrainian. Over and over and over and over. How many of these are we going to pretend are fate? We certainly could be all of them. That's, all, that's a possible thing. But weighing everything, it becomes almost impossible to pretend that there's not a valid point. I mean, this is coming out everywhere from a million different directions. They're hurting people. They're using human shields. They're firing on civilians. They're raping and murdering, and it's over and over and over, guys. I'm going to be now. People suffered. So many people suffered. So many houses. Where is it all going to be now? Blood. Now when I get near my home, I have tears. I just don't know. I come close to my house. You see, I used to always come home from work and say, thank God I'm home. It's home. Couldn't they really have found an agreement? Oh, I don't want to say anything for our government. Nothing. That is politics. Which, don't you have enough space, enough fields where to do such? Militants of the Azov Battalion. There it is. Because of this now, I have an impression that they killed them, but they still spread like those little dragons. Right, so she's telling you the Azad Battalion killed people, they framed other people, I mean, just over and over and over, over and over and over. We accepted a lot of refugees from the streets nearby our basement. Because it says when they entered, they would give five to ten minutes people to leave. But it says, this is an important one, it says, and that's it, Don't they say basically that they kicked them out and left the way, basically they kick people out of their homes in their bathrobes and whatever else and use those homes as their base. That's what's happening. How do they explain it? They say they, that they're making their positions. That's it. They're using these people's civilian homes as their positions. And that's it. Don't give an F. Forgive my language. He says, it's okay. But what, what he said, it was about five minutes to pack and go wherever you want. Just get out of the house. Basically pack up what you want. You have to leave your own home. Kind of sounds familiar. He says, how can you argue with that if they just could simply, you know, that house burned down, by the way. Basically attack you. Like hurt you if you don't do what you're told. There was a house that, about a yard, 15 meters. And the house is here. The playground was right there, like right next to a playground. And there were mortars placed and firing right there. 
площадка, грубо говоря, вот как здесь, да? То есть минометы стояли, спокойно стреляли, то есть вот. So people over here cooking a little further, mortars firing right across the way. People cooking and next to a kindergarten, they're firing mortars. Did anyone try to say something? She says, yes, there were some cases. We kept busy because there were a lot of people to be buried. The point is when they tried to bury people's bodies, guess what? They attack them. Now, why would that be? Doesn't that sound like an interesting connection? One guy, his father was killed by shrapnel that they were firing and he tried for five days to bury him. And every time we attempted for five days because when we would come out, Mariupol Stadium, right? Think about these things that keep coming up. There was a kindergarten. We tried to bury him there so we could come out and start digging the grave. I mean, F, everybody could see. I'm, I think I'm missing certain parts in between it. The point is that they got fired on. Yeah, it says they, it's not like they were 10 kilometers away. They were next at the next house and they would start shooting. It was like a game to them. You mean the Ukrainian side? But for what? Like I said, some sort of game. Overshooting or not far enough. All right, so the point is, guys, they're scaring these people away from burying the bodies that they clearly ended up using. Sure, that's my opinion. They ended up burning them if they could because they couldn't let them bury them. And of course, they then point at these mass graves that they put in, that the mayor of the false mayor of Donetsk openly said that they put him, they bury these people in mass graves. And now the Western press is pointing at those mass graves and saying, look what Russia did. As if they buried people in mass graves. It's what they said. Here's another one. The, it says, they Azov see that Russian is coming, so they have to S-H-I-T on it and S-H-I-T on it urgently. But more cultured, please. Basically tell them not to cuss. Is they want to show the whole world as if Russia is committing atrocities here. They're taking bodies from morgues and throwing them around, saying Russia is killing civilians. Look at that. Perfectly aligns with what we're seeing happen. Now, guys, this is, I mean, these are larger, this is a reasonably larger outlet. These are people that are, there's other press around. There's lots of people. These are big open refugee. These people could be lying, but it's becoming impossible to dismiss this. It was hell. They shot at us. The Azov. We saw it ourselves. Over and over and over. Mariupol residents speak out. The worst part is that these are our people. It's our country. That is genocide. Total genocide. They're madmen. Homicidal maniacs. Go through these yourself, guys. I'm trying to go fast because of the end of the show here. But these are one after another. Doctors, people, civilians telling you these people are hurting us. The Azov Battalion, the Ukrainian government. Ukrainian tank was driving on the boulevard, shooting directly at residential buildings. Over and over and over. They shot at the local population. My son called, uh, call sign, he died. Let's see, this one was, I forget. He was shelled by grad. The Azov people broke my husband completely. He became handicapped. I worked at the Azov steel factory. We lived in old Crimea. He says, and they beat us. I've got four stitches on my head, my eyebrow too. Why are you beating us? And I got hit in my head with the butt of a gun. 
The ambulance was afraid to come to us because of all these guys in masks. Did they kill him? They beat him to death. Just another day in Mariupol under the, under the control of the Azov Battalion. This one's going on to say, who fired? An Azov man. They came up and threw grenades or something. They set our house on fire. What's your name? My name is Maxim. The situation is following. Azov entered our district. They came to our settlement. The first thing, they began to shell our district, throwing bombs. Fire at the buildings with tanks, knowing that those are people inside. Over and over and over. They shot up your car. Yes, your car was being shot at without any warning. Where was that? Near the Azov Stahl Hotel, which now is becoming a focal point in Western press right now. We wanted to leave from the, from the left bank. And they, near the hotel, without any warning, they shot at our two cars. My side and my husband's side back. Uh, let's see, where was it? Did you see who it was? Azov? the Ukrainian forces. He says, we, 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 they, sh- we stopped. We shouted. We're civilians. Tali, let us get through. We had signs, kids all over the car. We yelled, please let us pass. And remember, that's what was written on the ground. In that other story, they replied in Ukrainian, go back where you came from. Now, I, I actually believe that means go back into Ukraine and don't flee, even though you're under, you know, they're keeping them as human shields. They forced us to turn back. Pretty, it's pretty messed up, guys. Now, here's one that I showed you before to finish up. The one that is telling this woman is pointing out that they carried out a false flag. They've been firing in our village, but they've been in control of it. How is that possible? She says. How do they do it all the time? They make destruction on purpose. If you have come here to fight, why do you destroy houses? And she says, and the simple houses basically says here the village council. It was an armored personnel carrier contained a Russian uniform and rations. She says, why the hell would Russian armored personnel carry, carrier hide here, shoot at its own Russians? If they took a position there, Russian lads, seven tanks near the wall, took up the position. These idiots jumped out and did a provocation, left their javelins. She says, it was a provocation, of course, provocation by the Ukrainian troops, a real one. I'll tell you now, my husband served with the tank troops. Tankers are never given a spare uniform. So they got into their tank. They took a spare uniform with them. What kind of idiocy is this? They laid out a Russian uniform and Russian rations. That's what she tells you. Do you think we're all such morons? So you're saying that it was Ukrainian tanks? She says, yes, they left the Volka. Uh, she says, and the Russian tanks stood there on the hillock where they were, where it was. Uh, they wanted the others to believe it was Russians. I saw with my own eyes. As a false flag, right? Yes, of course. I was in the center and saw it. She says, uh, they've been sitting in the basement. They wanted to look like Putin had done it. Well, dang it. It's in, it's, it, you keep, you watch this for yourself. In a couple of statements more, I'm just going to skip past it. She mentions the rations and the uniforms. Now here again, is the Radio Free Europe Liberty U.S. propaganda outlet saying they killed people systematically, Bucha residents allege. Here's my point, though. Is that what Bucha residents allege? Well, no. In fact, that is what one person who you don't get to see alleges. He spoke because he, he said he didn't want to come on camera, but he told me that this is what happened. He did it anonymously. And here is the person we're talking about. Well, this person, he doesn't... he. 
He says, I've come here for the first time. Right. So this guy that's never even been to this street before now is your first example of proof that Russia did this? Yes, that's what they're saying. And the next one is anonymous. That is their entire point. I just showed you 17 videos of people telling you what happened. And here they are going, that pretending this is the epitome, this proves it. My point in showing you the rations was that it's ridiculous that you're really going to pretend that because there was a ration left in the middle of the street that they would even, I mean, I had it all queued up and I don't know, I don't know where it was now. You saw it when I started. Yeah, whatever. It's in there. The point being that these rations, I think it's right here somewhere, are meant to make it look like Russia. It's, it's the equivalent of having a passport left on the ground of an explosion. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, they just at, threw down a box of rations or they dropped it in their haste to flee from it. It just doesn't make any sense. But that's what they, they run with. Our neighbor shelled twice a day every day in Russia. The shell landed here. Show it and tell us why. He said the roof is blown off. Actually, the roof was blown off every uh, off the day before yesterday. He says the windows are blown out. Where did it come from? Uh, it's uh, basically over there. Who is over there? Well, yes, it's, he says it's the Ukrainian army. What else? That's what you keep hearing. People are like, what do you mean? Who else? The Ukrainian army. Bombing civilian areas. Oh, and by the way, just to finish up, also from Vanessa Bealy. Check this out. Guess who's also working alongside the Azov Battalion? Troops from Saudi Arabia and Turkey. Well, what do you know? What a coincidence. One a NATO ally and one a puppet of the Western forces. Pretty great. Finally, the Atlantic Council wants you to know that Zelensky wants Ukraine to be a big Israel. Perfect. Now I'm going to actually dig into this point later because it's going to take me too long to get into today, but I'm definitely going to talk more about this because there's obvious connections there, seeing as how the primary funder of the Aza Battalion is Koylomoisky, who is an Israeli citizen who lives in Israel and Tel Aviv, and is also the primary backer of, of the Jewish president Zelensky, right? There's obviously overlap here to what's being done, just like the Israeli government was also funding the Aza Battalion, which is on the record, because that makes sense. And Canada boosts military spending by $8 billion in response to the Ukraine war? Yeah, who cares, right? Massive power and money grabs all over the place from COVID into Ukraine. We're just going to spend $8 billion more billion because of a war that we're barely involved in. Good times. It's an agenda. There's far more happening than people can see right now. And one last thing also from Vanessa Bealy, which is good news. Greek railway workers reportedly refuse to transport NATO tanks toward Ukraine. People see this, guys, and I believe most are doing so. It's just about having the courage to stand up. So I commend these workers for having the courage to stand up and know what's happening. Now, to end it quickly here, since we're three and a half hours, I really hope that this would get more reach because it's such an important understanding here, the topic that we're getting into here. This is the beginning of a very serious narrative. And as usual, we tend to be quite a bit ahead of these. So in a couple of months or weeks, 
when this actually starts to kick off, remember that we were talking about this and, and all the quasi independents are out there beginning their investigations. The point is that this is ongoing and it's been going on for quite a long time. So please get this in front of people. Please spread this information and continue questioning even what you think is happening. That's the only way we can stay objective about this. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. I would love, colleague Jambaski, to tell me any circumstance in which NATO has played a productive role or delivered peace anywhere. History has taught us that sanctions do not end military conflicts. They do not bring peace. They make the people suffer, not the oligarchs, the people, the people of Russia, the people of Europe. And they're not going to help save lives because the more arms you pump into Ukraine, the more the war will be prolonged, the more Ukrainians can, will die. And it might sound radical, colleagues, but the answer to war is not more war, it's peace. And peace isn't delivered by the barrel of a gun, it's delivered by diplomacy, by dialogue. You can wish away your continent's history, but we share a continent with Russia. We will sit down with Russia. There will be a negotiated peace, and this organisation should be promoting it earlier rather than delaying it and making sure that more Ukrainians die. Your feigning of sympathy rings hollow. It makes me sick, to be honest with you. Uh, President, so... EU-Russia relations are at their lowest ebb ever, and the Parliament's response is more, much more of exactly the same thing. Prevent Russia from developing relations with EU countries individually, ratchet up NATO, strengthen EU defences to deter Russia, sanctions and international investigations, and so on. This isn't a serious, credible document. It's actually a xenophobic rant. Much of the information is false, misleading, and one-sided. We surround Russia with native bases, and we call them the aggressor. We support opposition groups, and we accuse them of foreign interference. The European project is not being undermined and divided by Russia, but by the rank hypocrisy that is characterized in this report. And the only beneficiaries of this nonsense is the arms industry made fat on the profits of its hysteria. So would people ever calm down and cop on? We need to work diplomatically with our neighbours for a peaceful resolution of differences. Could she back off the Russia phobia? The last thing we need is a Cold War turning into a hot one. We absolutely reject the report in its entirety.